0: Hello, everyone. Hopefully you can hear us and see us for the scripts and scribes live. I think this is our fourth episode. Uh, and we are very fortunate to have back on uh, for the I don't know how many how many time umpteenth time a lit manager and producer who is worked he, too many times, who really it's no introduction at this point. But uh, he's worked at Village Roadshow on Appian Way and currently heads his own production and management company Bellevue Productions. He is incredibly adept at Uh, Well, he's incredibly adept at many things, but uh, for this particular purpose, he's incredibly adept at uh, discovering and developing emerging talent. Um, And in the past few years, his company's blown up by doing just that. Um, He is John Zalzerni. Welcome back, John. How are you? Hey,
1: buddy. Thank you for having me. You know, my my favorite place. This is my home. This This is where I feel happiest and most comfortable.
0: Uh, well, no, I mean it's it's in, always in
1: the internet world. In the world.
0: right? No, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate and I appreciate you coming on as as always. Your time, I'm sure, is, is packed full of a lot of different things pulling you in different directions. So you always have so been so generous to make time for for us and for the audience to uh, answer questions and, and provide insight and and valuable intel, so to speak. Video so
1: video is frozen for me, dude. Uh, uh, I don't. Know frozen for everybody else it's frozen for me
0: uh i don't know maybe in the chat if is the video frozen because you're working fine for me i can see you and i see uh, me obviously so maybe in the chat you can let us know if uh either of us is frozen uh hopefully not i'm going to keep talking hopefully you can hear me still You can hear you still yeah great okay so people in the chat say no it's fine not frozen looks fine so i think it's okay how do
1: i see the chat, how do I see the chat?
0: um i think you would have to open a second window and go to the uh the youtube link yeah you'll be able to see the live stream itself okay cool um but anyway i love having you on the writers love hearing from you um so first as people sort of start to filter in we normally talk about news stuff um things that are happening in the world like Obviously, movie theaters are opening back up. We talked about that last week. Uh, they're opening in LA. But you've got some particularly uh, great news. You signed a new client yesterday, which I saw from uh, S- Script Pipeline, I think it was. was they, were they the ones? So maybe yeah. talk a little bit about that. How, do you, how did you find your new client? Who is your new client? And what is it? Other than, obviously, I'm sure you responded to their script. Who Ooh. is it or what was it that, you know, other than a great script, made you want to sign this, this writer? Maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Your client's name is Brian T. Arnold. Um, So uh, Matt Mistich, uh, who, uh, I think he runs Script Pipeline, but he's certainly like, for me, the guy I know at Script Pipeline and um, he uh, and I are are pretty close um, and I really, really trust his opinion. Um, He, uh, you know, doesn't always like, he's not saying stuff like every week or anything, but, you know, every once in a while, he'll send me um, scripts that he, uh, you know, believes in and people he believes in. And he's very passionate and supportive of people. Um, and so he sent me uh, Brian's script um, and said, you know, Brian was looking for, for a new manager. Um, and I read it and I shared it with my colleague, Kate Sharp. Um, and we both flipped out for it. Um, you know, I won't kind of go into what exactly it is, but it, I would say it feels like it's in the vein of um, the Spike Johns movie *Her*. It feels like it's in the vein of um, Eternal Sunshine* and *Spotless Mind*. Um, that's the general kind of vibe. Um, and the world building was particularly amazing. Um, it was really beautifully structured. The character work was fantastic. It was just really, really strong. And you know, um, and so that was uh, that was really kind of where it came from. Um, and so we reached out and we were introduced to him. Um, via Matt um, and we had a Zoom with him about two weeks ago or something. I think we might've been the first people to talk to him. I think we might've been the first to respond. We generally, not always, but generally we're, we try to read really fast, you know, within definitely a week or two. Um, obviously sometimes circumstances warrant a longer turnaround time, but we try to read pretty fast. I think we read faster than a fair number of rep companies, let's say that. Um, and so Kate and I, um, Kate and I did a Zoom with him really liked him, I I think he liked what we had to say, but you know, and I always tell people this, you know, take your time, you know, uh, talk to a bunch of of people or talk to other people. I think there is a thing where just for a piece of advice, I would say, you know, if you can try to take all your rep meetings within like a week to two weeks at the maximum period, because after two weeks, you're just kind of allowing a little bit of like circumstances. It's kind of like um, if anybody here watches Shark Tank, when the people leave the room to start discussing and deal it's like things could happen in the absence. I mean, in this case, you know, this didn't affect anything, but Kate Sharp actually, um, gave birth. Uh, you know, she, uh, which everything's great. Super, we're super happy for her and her, her family and everything's great, but obviously she's now on maternity leave, which didn't really affect anything other than when Brian did reach out again, it was like, I was, he went, had a couple more questions. So I was the one to jump on the phone with him because Kate is obviously busy with more and more things. Um, but to go back to my piece of advice, ideally, and I know this is hard for people because what will happen is like, you know, one manager will respond and then like other people are like, yeah, I'm reading and it'll take them like a month to read or something. And you're like, well, I want to hear everybody out, but I really, you know, if I'm introducing clients to agents or including them to, to like to choose between a couple of lawyers, I try to stagger those meetings ideally within a couple of days of each other, really within a week, um, cause you don't want to leave something hanging. You don't want to like. Like, there is a chance that, like, if let's say that Brian had not got back to us for a month, that I could have read someone else in the meantime who's in a similar zone to him and be like, okay, I'm signing this person. And then I'm like, hey, Brian, when he reaches, he's like, I don't work with you. I'm like, oh, hey, man, like, you're awesome. But I found someone who's kind of in a similar zone as you since then and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not sitting here saying, like, you got to do that within two weeks. But you know, it's kind of like dating. If you want to date with someone and you didn't go on a second date within a couple of weeks, they might meet somebody new. Right. You know? right. Um, so that is one thing. Um, I mean, that this was a situation where like it didn't go extra long or anything like that, but it was something that I was like thinking about um, just because, you know, I knew he was talking to other people um, as you should, but I think you want to try to talk to everyone within a certain amount of time. So you don't kind of create any kind of weird issues or any feeling like that your interest might being, be being shopped. That's something that actually I talk about with producers. Let's say one producer wants to do a screenplay wants to produce a script, then you go and you tell everyone else who's reading it, hey, there's someone interested in this, you should read this soon. But I don't want to make that to linger for like two weeks while the person's like, hey, like I wanted to do this thing, you know, or, or longer. Because then they feel like they're sho- you're shopping their interest. As in, you are using the fact that they are interested in the script to try and get someone better interested in the script. And that just makes them feel shitty if they feel like that's going down. Right. So I try to move within a fast case. And that's just something... It's an emotional thing for people. Also, it's a logistical thing. It's all those kind of things. So, just for the writers out there, if you're talking to managers, definitely talk to all the people who are interested. But I have seen cases where people like are waiting for like months or two months. They're like, "Yeah, my friend says their their boss at ICM is going to read any month now," and it's like, "Yeah, but the person you met two months ago, they might have moved on, Mm -hmm. you know." And it's this kind of feeling of like. It's like that, you know, that, that phrase, one and a half is worth two in the bush. If there's someone who's open and interested and excited about you, I mean, look, if you don't if you're not excited about them, well that's it's like again, it's like dating, that's your answer, right? Like being like, "No, I don't trust this person, I don't feel good. But if there's someone you like, but you're like, "Well, there might be someone like 5% better, and I'm just going to keep grinding away at it for weeks and weeks and weeks, you could lose the good person in pursuit of the perfect person who may never be out there." Um, so that's just a little piece of advice kind of about that um yeah so but yeah so anyways go back to brian um read his script it's amazing uh he reached out to us uh to to us and then i was the one who was able to jump on the phone with him and answer some questions and then he's like hey i want to do this so it was really exciting um to be blunt i don't sign a ton of people i don't sign i don't sign as many people as i would have signed five years ago because i have more clients now Mm -hmm. um and you know when i do sign someone it's really someone i mean brian's script is phenomenal um, and it's something I'm very, very excited to take out. I don't, you know, I'm hopeful that it'll, it'll be something that will we'll connect commercially with people. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, you know, this is all stuff I've told Brian. One of the things I do when I'm talking to people is I lay out very clearly what my, the game plan is, and this is something we can kind of talk about a little bit later in the episode. But I think it's a phenomenal piece of writing, and I want to make sure, it's kind of like Sophie Dawson's script Headhunter, you know? I, that was not something that, like, Warner Brothers would be like, yo, we need to make this for $100 million, you know, a cannibal movie. Um, right. but it was thing that I knew that people were going to want to read and, you know, she's been having meetings with the heads of studios now, you know, off of that script. Cause they're like, wow, this is amazing. We want to hear what else you're doing and think of you for other projects. And that's, I think the kind of thing that we want to do with Brian is make sure everyone in town who's relevant to his career knows his name.
0: Right. Right. Um, so the topic that we are talking about today is building your writing career. You signed, um, a new writer, but also there's a lot of writers who are listening and watching who are obviously in that position. They want to sign with Lit Rep. And in the past, if you haven't listened to John's other podcast episodes, which you, you should, there's so much great info there uh, about John, his company, and also just literary representation and writing and building your career in general, um, scriptsandscribes.com, you can definitely find them all there. But today we want to, to sort of dive into the topic of building your writing career. What happens when you first sign with a lit manager? Um, we're, we'll talk about it for uh, just a few minutes. Normally we'll spend a half hour talking about the topic, but we'll, we'll spend a few minutes talking about it and then we'll open up to questions from the audience so that you guys can ask whatever it is. But this may actually answer some of your questions. So we're going to get started with that first. Um, let's start off at the beginning. Uh, when you sign a new client, um how do you sort of filter through their material and see what they have and how much do do does a writer need to have uh that's in really good shape before you start sending them out on meetings how do you get them ready to meet the town you know what sort of prep work do you do with them um you know that sort of thing like how do you how does it start day one you like the material you sign them they're excited you're excited you sit down in a room with them you've got a big stack of scripts that you've probably read over the weekend or big you know or whatever
1: i'd you be know, what what like to see danny manis i saw prints out scripts and still reads them i'm a, this all my scripts are contained right here in this ipad this okay you've got an
0: iPad, of, got an ipad full of full of pdfs yeah. of their work uh what is it okay you sit down and and how does it begin
1: so you know first answer is it's different for every single person mm-hmm. in every single situation Um, The second answer is, I'm not starting to think about strategy after I sign them. If anything, um, I have thought of the strategy before I even started talking to them. Um, (laughs) Specifically, because I've read one of their scripts, at least one of their scripts, and I've liked it. And so when I get on the Zoom with them, you know, or in person in this time that was pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, I am telling them, like, here's my plan. And, you know, I'm like, here's my plan. Here's what I would do. Here's how I would operate. It's kind of like you know, you're meeting with an architect about renovating your house. They're not going to be like, yeah, I don't know, hire me and we'll figure it out afterwards. You know, right. you're going to go in and be like, here's my plan, here's what I would do, so they can make a, an informed decision about you know. If like, there's one person and I was like really pushing them really really hard on features, and they decided they want to really push on staffing, and they signed with a, another manager that was more staffing, TV staffing oriented, which is totally fine. Like that, they you got to go with the, what the person with a strategy that connects to you and what your vision is um so you know uh, so let's talk about brian Mm -hmm. you know just because that's a specific example that script is something that i think is a little trickier commercial wise because it is more of a drama um sci-fi drama in the vein of her i would say in that sense you know in in terms of being there's there is some high concept aspects to it but you know it's not a huge there's nothing exploding you know i'm saying so um what we're going to do there is so first off I read that one script I really liked it and I was like I think this is something that people in town need to read I don't know if it's a commercial thing it may or may not be <clears throat> and it can put them on the radar for commercial opportunities possibly really the OWEA game is more geared towards people who've sold specs been on the blacklist gotten movies made you know like right. it, it is actually you know it's not like there's here's one script and they're like hello I'm Warner Brothers we'd like to hire you it doesn't work you <laughs> People are like, "Well, I'm going to get in the OWA game." I'm like, "No, you're not," because you know you're competing in that OWA game against people who've been professional writers for you know a long, long time. And by the way, this is a feature conversation right now. We can slip into a TV conversation after this. Um, But um, you know, so with Brian, what we're going to do is we're going to take that script out. We're actually going to go and try to get him an agent first. Um, So we're going to go to some agents who I think are a good fit for him give it two to three weeks for them to read. Agents are reading quite slowly right now, um, in part because a lot of them left to go be managers. <laughs> so there's fewer agents, and and especially at like places at like WME that really don't have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people did leave. And secondly, um, you know, for some places, especially w, WME and CAA, they pretty recently just signed the WGA Accord. And so a lot of their WGA clients are finally coming back. And so there's fewer agents at those places and all the you know more clients including the people they signed during the pandemic right who are maybe non-wga um and so there's kind of a sorting you know going on over there so people take longer to read than they maybe normally would normally i'd say two weeks for agents but now i'm like "Eh, could be three weeks you know um so we're going to do that and then we're going to go out and we're going to go to producers and i'm going to go really wide with this one because I'm not 100% convinced that it's necessarily something that a studio could buy, but I am 100% convinced that it's something that if people read at a studio, they'd be like, hmm, this is really interesting. I think this person would be really good to adapt to this book or do something. So we're going to see if we can get some traction doing that, even though, like I've said, it tends to go to more established people. But I think it's so good that I think we can at least put them in, put them on people's radars. And maybe one of those, like I don't know, like 50 producers we go to will be like, you know what? I really like this thing. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to try and get a director. I'm going to try and get an actor. I think this is a movie that can be made, maybe inside the system or maybe outside the system, um, on the independent level. Um, so I, we're definitely going to target. We're going to target producers who make movies kind of independently and movies like this. And then we're also going to target people that, like, you know, I get to someone like my friends at like Dan Lin's company, Rideback, who you know do like Aladdin and big movies like that. But I also know they're always looking for people who are phenomenal at character and world building. And they might be like, wow, this perfect person is perfect for this, you know, reboot project, this remake, this Lego movie or something, you know? They're like, oh, I see something here. Like, if you look at the Marvel directors and writers, like, they had not, for the most part, like, the Russo brothers had done episodes of Community, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Ike had obviously done great movies, but they were not what you would think of as Marvel movies. Same thing with the writers, Marcus and McFeely came from running a TV movie about Peter Sellers, you know? Mm-hmm. So they were not necessarily what you would think, but they are really good. Pixar does the same thing, really good at character, really good at, um, you know, structure, things like that. And so the skills are transferable. So we'll take it out and hopefully we'll get, you know, get a, get Brian on a bit of like an Evian tour, you know, the water bottle <sighs> tour, around right? Or oh, no water bottles now, so he can't really keep and start his collection. Um, so yeah, so we're going to do that. Make sure people know his name. At the same time, he has sent Kate and I, what I would call like the slate, essentially. The slate being, um, previous projects that he's already written, what the status is of them, and then really, and then new ideas. And I'm really focused on the new ideas. Um, That's where I'm generally pretty focused on. I don't necessarily read all their old scripts. I'll look at log lines for their old scripts and be like, okay, does thing feel like something like, like Brian has another script that's really good but it's even less commercial hmm. than I, I think it is, than the current script. And I told him all this and I'm like, Hey man, like if it comes up in a general, definitely let's say that other script because it's really well written. But I think this one, which is, I think more commercial than the other one, but still a bit of a like, that's one I want to lead with because the reality is you're judged by your latest bit of work. And I want to put material into them, into the marketplace. that feels like, Hey, this person could be a studio writer. This person could be someone who writes, you know, we can, pay them to write like the movies that we want to get made um and I don't want to put out material that's like less commercial so to kind of detract from that and be like okay well I'm reading this well I like it but like it still doesn't feel like something I can make you know um and so we're going to start looking at new ideas and so we're going to go through new ideas and you know we'll look through them all and maybe there's one or two that we're like god this is great we should go further on this and develop this oftentimes though there's not often I'm like you know what man take another couple weeks month and think of some new ideas and we're going to keep going at that till we get an idea. I'd rather spend three months thinking of new ideas and land on something strong than spend, have those three months spent on something mediocre at the end of like writing that, which, you know, could take like six months, nine months. I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know. This feels a little generic. feels like I can't sell it. I'd rather grind on finding a great idea than push forward on a mediocre idea.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's kind of the process. We're going to go there. A lot of times I'll sign people and I like the writing but the script they've written doesn't feel commercial. It doesn't feel like the thing I want to put out there into the world necessarily. So my client Chris Parizzo, who had the script Viceland on, on the blacklist last year, he had written a script that I really loved, but it was a very small kind of biopic about a skateboarder. And it's was like, I don't think, I, I know I can't sell this because we know the life rights. And I don't think this is really a super commercial thing because they don't make a lot of biopics necessarily. And I don't know that a lot of people are gonna know who this person is. And like, it's really beautiful writing and I think if people Read Viceland and liked him to be like, oh, I'll read this. Oh, well, it's confirmed that he's a good writer, but it wasn't something I wanted to lead out with. And so I had this idea of doing a, a script about Vice magazine and how it rose to become like this media empire. And he really responded to that. And then we spent, you know, I forget how we worked, how long we worked on it, like nine months, maybe, um, maybe longer. And so, yeah, we worked on that script. And that was the thing we launched him with. That's what got him signed at, you know, an age big agency. That's what got him on the blacklist. And that's what led to some more opportunities down the road um, for him. So that was kind of something where it's like, I like you as a writer. Let's figure out a new idea together. You know, Vice line was something which we knew was really going to be a hard sell, but we knew it was a kind of script that would like get into the radar, you know, on the for the blacklist. And also, by the way, it ended up being super timely because you know, Gavin McInnes is the founder of the Proud Boys. Gavin McInnes used to be part of Vice magazine. He eventually got kicked out and started the Proud Boys. So the ending was literally we were writing, we were rewriting the ending, or, or Chris is rewriting the ending you know, to incorporate events from, like, a week earlier, you right. know, like, where Trump was in the hospital for COVID, and the Proud Boys and Gavin's were marching outside, and we were, like, writing this into the script before we were taking it out to people, so it felt super fresh, and, like, we didn't plan that. That was just, like, a crazy coincidence, you know? Um, so, again, it was something where if you feel like you're running something in the zeitgeist that feels like that you're passionate about it, sometimes, like, I wouldn't want to... Personally, uh, you know, the GameStop thing, I feel like nine months from now, whenever you'd have a really good script, is it really going to be something that people are going to super-duper care about? I don't know, you know? But, like, you know, as it was, like, the big short where, like, it was this real estate crash that affected every single person in the world, really, you know? So, you know, I think you want to think about, like, is the script I'm working on, is it going to be viable six, nine months from now, you know? Mm -hmm. Because really, I I would say, honestly, there are... I've never worked on a script that took less than six months that I think came out really great. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, six months for me, is kind of the minimum from like the beginning of the idea to the completion of the draft that we send out to people Mm -hmm. personally. Um, So, yeah, so that's it for TV people. Um, Usually the conversation is one of two things. It is the script is good enough. Let's go help get an agent and start staffing you and, and, and getting the script out potentially for development. Or it's like, we let it like your writing, but we need to work on a script that we think is a script to help get you an agent and get you into staffing. So it's kind of a similar conversation, but for up and coming writers, the chances of selling things in development much lower than selling a feature, because with features, they they can always buy it from you and then have someone rewrite it. On TV, it's very much about the creator's voice. You know, um, it's very rare that there's a script that's a pilot written by someone and then a bigger writer comes on and rewrites the whole thing from scratch. You know. It's just not worth it to them. It does I'm sure it has happened. It doesn't happen that often. Right. Um, so really it's about focusing on staffing opportunities. Um, and does is your sample like buzzy enough, interesting enough, and speak to your experience and who you are to get you the attention from an agent and then eventually in the marketplace from showrunners, studio executives, um, you know, network executives, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really the thing. It's like it's really one of two things. It's like do, you are, do, do we sign you off the thing that we think is buzzy enough to get you out there to kind of launch you with? Uh, and then it's about, if it's not, then let's develop that thing. And even if it is then, we're working on what the next thing is. So right. really, it's about you know working on something that's great to send out, sending it out and then working on the next thing and rinse and repeat and like of course along the way my job in addition to developing great ideas with you is to make sure all the relevant people know who you are and know your name and if i feel weak we can sell it then we're going to try and sell it we're going to give it its day in court essentially
0: and a lot of <clears throat> reps mention you only need one really great piece of writing one great I, I
1: really script say that. i really people on twitter are always like you need two scripts right and I almost like, well, you guys need one.
0: You need one great yeah. one, right? Just it, problem, an undeniable like, one.
1: Sophie Dawson had written head I was like, okay, I'm going to sign you. And she's like, really? You don't want to read all my other scripts? I was like, well, I mean, I'll read them. Sure. But like, this is the one. And then she showed me like a few other pilots. And I was like, they're, they're all great. Wow. This is right. amazing. It just confirmed what I already felt. But assuming, but yeah,
0: assuming they have yeah. that one great script, what, and you, and you had just mentioned that it's really about the next thing. It's about the next thing, writing the next thing. You know, you're going to work on whatever's current, but they need to be working on the next thing, whatever that happens to be. Um, How, and I've always been of the mindset that you have to have, at least have ideas so that when you take generals, when they say, what else do you have? You don't have nothing. You have at least ideas, right? How fully formed do these ideas need to be? And, you know, when they come to meet you, they have their script, you like their writing. Let's assume that either they don't have very many other things or they're not very, good meaning they're not ready to go out if they have ideas how many would be ideal and how fully formed do they need to be not just like oh you know about a skateboarder or something or you know how fully formed do they should they be
1: so the importance really also of the um of having more ideas is that um the importance of having more ideas is that it shows me that you are a professional writer who wants to write Like, you're not just like a one script person, right? Like, you're like, I have more ideas. I have more things I'm working on. Um, You know, I would say it's better to have three or four great log lines than one, like, fully, like, Mm. fleshed out thing. Like, in fact, I just like people to have, like, an idea of what they're working on. I mean, like, you don't. You meet people, and, like, they're like, oh, I'm halfway done this new thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Just tell me about it, you know? But, like, because you meet people when you meet people, you know? But I would say, you you know, if an ideal scenario, um, they have, I guess an ideal scenario, they're just amazing writer and everything they write is amazing. But, um, you know, they have a good script and you're like, okay, what's next? And those scripts, you know, you have like a page or two of like new ideas and there's like a log line or at most a paragraph for each of those. Um, and they also feel like they're atonally in the same wavelength. So if like I've read an amazing script of yours, and it's a really gritty, dark, you know, supernatural horror scripting, like, and here's my next ideas, and they're all comedies. And I'm like, okay, well, that's gonna be a little tricky because everyone who reads your horror script and loves you and wants to meet you, those are horror companies probably. And they're not gonna be like, oh great, tell me about your comedy idea. You know, it'd be great if they were like a thriller or even an action movie or another or a horror movie, you know what I'm saying? Um, or some kind of dark something, you know. Um, horror comedy is a little tricky, I mean, not even a little tricky, it's quite tricky, honestly. Um, they just don't make a ton of them, um, and they've not historically. There's exceptions like "This Is the End." If that's a horror comedy, I guess it is. But like, you know, more often than not, like even the great ones like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, um, uh, you know, things like that. Even even if you look at the Edgar Wright movies like Shaun of the Dead, they didn't do a great amount of money domestically. Um, so yeah, you want those ideas would be great to be in the same wavelength. So I would say like three or four of those. Mm-hmm. One, thing, one thing I didn't cover, actually, that does occur sometimes is when I read someone's script and I'm like, the script is good, but I can help make it even better. And then we work on the script to make it better. I have to say it doesn't happen that often anymore. It has happened, but it doesn't happen terribly often because, honestly, a lot of the issues I face with my writers are conceptual based. Mm. And if the concept is not great, it's not really much... We, we can do right like it's kind of like if you and talk about, talking about building houses and metaphors it's like you can really if your house is quite nice but it's in like not a great like not an ideal neighborhood or location or something like that like the middle of nowhere in the desert or something it's like we can keep working on that house as much as possible it's not people are not gonna be like wow you know what that house was okay but now it's amazing and I really want to drive four hours to work every day right you know? it is what it is so I usually tend to like, There are times when I'm like, oh, a little polish here, a little tweak here, but more often than not personally, I am usually like, hey, like either I love this or let's start from scratch on something new, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So, but it has happened previously where I've gotten involved on a script and we you know, tweaked it for a few months just to get it to the place. So it does happen, but I would say the vast majority is like, I read your script, I love it, I want to take it out, or I really like your writing, let's work on something new together. Mm -hmm um and yeah but to answer your question original question was like you know i would say like log lines a paragraph at most you know because ideally we're going to develop it out further together
0: right no that's good um i have one more question before we start opening it up to questions from the audience which have started to trickle in so we'll get to those in just one minute but i do have uh, a question that i wanted to pose um when you get, and I think this applies to writers who may not be signed yet, but maybe get a meeting on their own. When you get your clients ready, a new client ready to you know, do the water bottle tour, to do a bunch of generals when you're first sending them out, what sort of prep work do you do? What do you tell your clients they need to be ready for, they need to study up on, they need to know mm. before they sit down with an executive, a producer, uh, whoever it happens to be, uh, when they go in on those that water bottle tour, what are some of the things, the advice you give them again? And it applies, I think, to writers who may not have a presentation, but may get meetings on their own.
1: Yeah, uh, the same thing, This is like the same things apply for meeting a manager. By the yeah. Way. Oh yeah. Great. Um, you know, so I would say, what do I do? Well, I t- obviously my prep is that, you know, before they start doing generals, we do generally do like a phone call, maybe a zoom, but usually just a phone call where we talk about what to expect and what to and how to treat them. And depending on this kind of situation, you know, a showrunner meeting is very different than a general, meeting, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of expectations. Um, so here's a first general rule for general meetings, which is general meetings are about people meeting you because they like their writing and they're trying to get to know you better. And what they really want to do is hear what your new thing is and say dibs. Okay. Their job is to get you to tell you as much as possible about your new idea and possibly basically promise them in the room to give it to them. Or if they can, to get you to slip it to them early without your reps necessarily knowing. Your job is to get them as excited as possible about the idea without telling them enough about it, you know, where it might present some kind of an issue in terms of like they could do... They're not gonna steal your idea, but like...
0: Idea bleed.
1: I mean... You just don't need to tell them everything here's here's it's actually not even about them stealing your idea it's kind of like this if i tell you like a concept kind of time travel heist movie you're like that sounds fucking great tell me more and you're like that's about as much as i really want to talk about right now my reps have told me this to kind of keep it under wraps you're like well that just sounds amazing If i'm like okay so the first act is this then the more details i give you the more you have to object to you're like well it seemed cool in theory but like actually the way that this guy's pitching it kind of sounds lame, you know and so Things are great in theory and in mystery. Like, look at J.J. Abrams' whole mystery box thing. You're right. like, what the fuck? Oh my God. You know, you like, your imagination does the work. And so, you know, I'd rather you not give all the details so that when they we, when they finally see the time travel heist movie, it's a script that we spent, like, six, nine months polishing until it's, like, shiny and perfect, right? As opposed to, like, you kind of scrambling to pitch it in the moment. Sometimes people take these generals and they think that they are job interviews, they are not job interviews. You do not have to pick your picture your heart out of every single fucking idea you've ever had. In fact, you should not. What they are are dates. And they're dates in the sense that you they want to come away and be like, "Wow, I just met Kevin. He is so fucking cool. I want to work with him." We just all we did was talk about our favorite sports teams and music and they just seemed like a cool person to work with. Because they're meeting with you because they know your writing is good. So you don't have to prove that you have good ideas. They're already meeting with you because of that. What they want to see is, is this person a crazy person? Is this someone I, someone I would like to spend time with and bring my ideas to so we could work together on things? Your job is to tease them with your cool super ideas and get them to give you ideas, get them to give you like open writing. You know, we're about to close the rights on this thing. It might be a good fit. And you're like, great that's the ideal thing you know mm-hmm. you don't want to, i don't pitch every single script you ever wrote that's in your back fucking you know you wrote five years i wrote the script in college no because i don't want them reading four screenplays from like 10 years ago and being like oh i really like that script i read from them it was really polished but these scripts from them in college are not that great because of course they fucking aren't they're your college you know so keep the quality high mm-hmm. be mysterious. Be friendly. Have that the, the information show, flow should come from them to you, not from you to them. It's always going to be a bit of a tussle, you know. Um, and so that is something just to think about as a general rule about general meanings. Um, but you should go in and you should be able to talk about what, when someone says, "What kind of movies do you want to write?" Don't say, "I really want to write," you know, West Side. St-, well, West Side Story is going to be a new movie, but I really want to write Citizen Kane and Casablanca. Don't. Those are old movies that they, you know. I want you to talk about movies that you've written the last five to ten years. Or they say you're, it's a TV meeting, what kind of shows do you want to staff on? They'll be like, oh, I really want to staff on My So Called Life. Well, that show hasn't existed for a long time. Or my, you know, even Freaks and Geeks, you're like, no, I really want to staff on Euphoria. Okay, that is, that is, you know, it's a very high profile show, but like that certainly is in the mix right now. That's actionable. I want to be on Pen 15. Well, also, it seems like your taste is current, not like, I I was talking to someone, they're like, yeah, my movie's really a mix of like all these movies from the 80s. And I'm like, yeah, but they haven't made those in a long time she's like yeah but they're great i'm like yeah they are great movies but they don't make them anymore you know yeah. um and so you want to show that your taste is current and modern and like that you are someone who's thinking you know modern day so you should have a list of five to ten movies that have come out in the last you know five years ten years you know i at most ten years i would say you're like i want to write nightcrawler i really want to write um I'm trying to think of other things in the nightcrawler i care a lot you know I want to write, those are the kind of like dark, twisty things that I love. And I'm like, great. Okay. That makes, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. I know what you want to do. And I know we all may want to do a million things, but it's better to be like, I want you to be on one of their lists or maybe two than on another list. Cause they're like, I want to do comedy, but I also want to do dark thriller. I also want to do action, but I also want to do like horror. And it's like, okay, well, which list do I put you on? Because I don't know that you can do all those things. I only know that you're going to do the thing that I read the script that proved that you could do that. You know,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, it'll naturally expand. So, for example, my wife wrote Blonde Ambition, this Madonna script. And like that, obviously, you know, put in the mix for a lot of music things. Right. But then she got to know this executive and they put her on the, they hired her for the single Queens of the Stone Age, which was still female driven and had a fun, really poppy, modern day feel to it. But was, um, you know, kind of a bit more of a crime thriller thing about a bunch of models who got into dealing weed, essentially, based on true story. So that moved at least a little bit more into like the thriller genre. You know? Um, you know, she's been brought action stuff and she doesn't really want to write action, but that kind of expanded her that she could have gone into that if she was so inclined. Um, you know, and so it's like really you'll expand on a natural level. Um, or even if you've a successful career doing something like I know John August had written um How to Eat Fried Worms, I think as an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's getting a zillion, you know, he's talking about the zillion kind of you know, YA and in children's movies. So he wrote Go kind of reinvent himself. And that's what led to Charlie's Angels and things like that. Then he's like, Well, can I write do big fish, you know? And so he was able, but again, that career was already moving down the tracks, you know? The same way that like I'm like, hey, David Fincher wants to direct your broad comedy, you'd be like, Well, that's a little weird. But like we put David Fincher in a box, but we aren't gonna put you can't be put in a like a bit of a box. It's better to be the master of one or two genres than none you know and look down the line you can expand and do into more things like there's people like um scott frank for example Mm -hmm. who just did queen's gambit but he also wrote like logan and he also wrote out of sight and he also wrote get shorty and like that is someone who can do all things you know but he earned his way to that you know um and i think that is kind of that's like i mean he's like one of the great living writers but you take my point essentially um but yeah so prep for generals I, I do say sometimes people can be a little um, stiff in generals. And so that's something where, like, I some this doesn't happen often, but it has, where I've been like, hey, you should go do, try doing some UCB, try and do some improv, try to loosen up a little bit, you know, and and, and make a connection that way. Because sometimes people are, like, very, like, you know, sometimes it's like, what kind of movies do you like to write? Oh, I like to write good ones. Yeah, and it's like... Okay, because what we want is coming out of the meeting is for people to be like, wow, that person is so cool. I already knew they were talented, but they're so cool. I want to work with this person. They seem awesome. Wow. I already knew they were talented. Now they seem like a person who could be my friend and we could work together and have friend time, you know, because here's when it comes to an OWA. They're going to read like, I don't know, 15, 20 scripts and they're going to nail it down to like five people. And then they're going to meet with the five people. And the other five people they are like, Okay, like all five takes were good. Maybe, like, of the five takes, like three were really good, right? You're Mm -hmm. like, how do I decide between these three people? A lot of times it's like, who do I like the best of these three people? Because they're all good, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, who do I like the best? Who who do I click with? You know? Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know? And like, sometimes it's like a vision situation where like they like you, but you're like, no, this is not how I see the movie. And look, that's more in the case where you can kind of turn down work in the sense of they're like, no, I see the movie going this way if you're like starting your career, you're like, no, I I can see that version as well. You know, although I always tell people you should only write the movies or go for the assignments that you truly believe you can nail. Because if you do one bad assignment, they're like, oh, they lost it. They don't have it. Especially early in your career. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, it didn't work. Because all these studios, if you've been hired for something and you did a really bad job at it then the next person you thinking when hiring you will call their friend at the other studio because everybody's friends, because everybody goes from studios to studios or work together at one point, say, hey, how'd Bill do on that script? Not great. They're like, ooh, I guess I'm not gonna hire Bill, hire Bill for my thing. Everybody talks. So everything you do early in your career has to be at the top level of quality. So yeah. anyways, I kind of feel like I moved all over there, but uh, hopefully no, it's helpful.
0: No, it's great. It's just advice, yeah, for those writers out there who uh, are gonna be prepping for their, their uh, meetings. Um, all right, so let's start with some of the questions in the chat. The first is from Art Shrian Tiwari. Hopefully I pronounced your name right, Art. Um, are you looking for specific genre or style of writers you work with? How critical is that? I have projects in multiple genres and wonder if it's better to focus on one genre at this point. You've sort of covered that, but I don't know if you want to elaborate it all again.
1: Uh, sorry, I apologize. I was like actually peeking at the chat to see... Uh, oh yeah, no, if- he was just
0: asking um, if a writer has multiple genres in their portfolio, you know, different projects of different genres, how important it is for them to focus on one, which you sort of covered, but I just wanted to see if you yeah, wanted to add it down.
1: If you're doing horror, and not everything has to be horror, but I think it should be a, a genre that is adjacent to it. So horror, thriller, supernatural thriller, you know even action thriller. I was like, they're, you want them to be like um, complementary, right? Mm-hmm. Like complimentary colors, complementary genres, you know? So if you're doing comedy, you could kind of get into action comedy, you know what I'm saying? Or like the big short is kind of like drama comedy, do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like you can do that, but I think you want it, you want them to make sense. You don't want them to be like, again, if there's like a spectrum, I always say there's a spectrum of like horror I and mean, then comedies at the other end. And of course there is horror comedy, but like really they feel like they're they're very different places because they're wanting different things you know mm-hmm. um it's like you kind of want to make sure that they're they're in the same version of the spectrum you know right so you just think would this make sense if it was from the same person if you heard about it like if you heard the same person directed these or wrote these movies you're like wow that sounds a little crazy like when you're starting out try for it to make sense if you can
0: yeah um our mac uh, asked, would you ever sign a writer who's not interested in assignment work?
1: Um, are they like a director? Um, I mean, honestly, they're like, no, I'll never do anything. I don't know. They'd have to be one hell of a spec writer. Um, you know, they'd have to be like an amazing, amazing level writer. You know, for me like, oh, we're just going to sell specs because not a lot of writers who do that, you know, Mm -hmm. I I can't think of any working writers who just write specs. It's, yeah, I mean, look, it's a business. I know sometimes people are like, it's an art and I do what I want. And there is an art to screenwriting, but it's a business. And, you know, I get 10% when you get paid. I don't get paid till you get paid. I have clients I've been working with for a while. I've never been paid. And I believe in them. I believe that one day they will get paid. So then I will get paid. But like... If you're like, I'm never doing OWAs, like that's a hard rule. No, I I don't know that you're really a professional then. You're kind of like just it's a hobbyist. That's a that's like a hobbyist move. Even Charlie Kaufman's doing assignments, right. adaptation assignment. You know, um, I think it'd be hard to think of a working screenwriter who at this point in time who's who does not take assignments.
0: Right. Um, why make your job harder if you don't have to by limiting yourself? Right. Um, Jess Wainston, hopefully that's right. Do you advise on st- what story ideas work and what won't, uh, making commercial versus a passion project?
1: Oh yeah, it's a huge part of my job. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my job is really looking over what do they want to write next, where do they want? Because a big thing we talk about when I sign them is like, where do you want your career to go? And it's like, well, how do we get you there? You know? And it's like, oh, what do... does this next script you want to write does that push you towards there essentially? So yeah, I mean, you know. People are always really, I think this kind of is a weird bridge to the last question of like passion projects of running my thing. And like, I'll give you an example. So Chris Devlin, my client who wrote Cobweb, he wrote Cobweb and he wrote um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, both of which got shot last year. They were shooting at the same time, which is crazy in a non-time, but like in a pandemic time, it's particularly crazy. And at the same time, he sold his script Video Nasty um, to Lionsgate, which ended up in the blacklist last year. So he's been doing quite well. And, you know, a lot of stuff comes in for him. And like Chris, you know, at this point, if Chris is like, yeah, hey, man, I want to take six months to write my passion project, I'd be like, go for it, you know, because he's made enough money. He's established enough momentum. It's a, we're in, we're a lot of times in the incoming call business for Chris Depplin hmm. at this point, you know, so he's earned a cred to be able to do that, um, you know, and, and honestly, Chris is a very um, savvy guy. He used to work in the industry as an assistant, so he very much knows how it works. So he is writing a few specs. You know, some are bigger, some are smaller. And he's very, like, he's very understanding. Like, we're like, hey, I think this one's more of, like, an independent. It's a cool idea, but it's more of an independent movie because I don't see, like, Warner Brothers making this. But he's also raised something where, like, hey, I think this could be a franchise. This could be, like, a big thing, you know? It's like, okay. So, like, that, I think you kind of have to earn your currency um, to get there, you know? That's what I would say is you have to be, because the thing is, if you take, if you're, like, let's say we get you on the the Mac, you've written a blacklist script. I mean, blacklist scripts tend to be passion projects but once you're established that's not the time to do your passion project your passion project is the time it's it's why it's called the passion project to do when your career is kind of moving very at a steady clip but like you just have to be aware that like take six to nine months to do something you're kind of turning down other work sometimes you know that work may not be there they may have moved on to someone else who's new and hot so that passion project better really pop you on their radar in some kind of way Mm -hmm. because if you take like a year away to do something it can be hard, the momentum can be cool. They're like, oh yeah, I remember that person. They were, they were kind of busy, weren't they? What happened with them? Did they, that thing ever get made? You're like, no, like, oh, okay. Because you, something stalls out and you're like, oh, I wonder what happened to that person. It's very much an emotional based thing where, you know, you keep getting assignments and you keep moving forward and like, wow, what's the latest thing they wrote? You know, so I, you know, I'm not opposed to it if the people are in the right place, you know, but, and, and being mindful. And the, but the real question is how do we move you forward in your career? You Know
0: is this the right move mm-hmm. for that? Um, and let's see, Peter R. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, F- Twanger. hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. Peter, um, let's say he said he asks, Is it worth approaching you with a stunt script more for the writing style than the marketability?
1: <clears throat> yeah. People have done that. I mean, Headhunter is a stunt script, right? Like, mm-hmm. is that really there's a world where that gets made, but it's just a stunt script. Yeah, if it was an interesting stunt script, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, I probably were more open to stunt scripts than almost any other manager in town.
0: Right, right. Um, um, Todd Klinger asked, how do you handle someone who approaches you with a strong sample that you think is sellable, but that's all they have? They want a career. Uh, you can see that they are serious.
1: I mean, I know them serious by like, where do you want to go? What are your next ideas? I mean, sometimes if there's something where they're like, I like their sample, I'll be like, show me your new ideas. So that's almost acts as a second sample, if you will, is the new ideas. And so I'm looking at those new ideas. I'm like, okay, if they have a good script, that's somewhat commercial, but maybe not super commercial. Um, and I, but they have new, their new ideas feel even more commercial. Like I actually signed some people last year that was like, that. I was like, okay, their sample was good. It doesn't super, it was, it was really, I love the writing. It was a horror idea. It was like a little familiar, you know, but we kind of started talking on new ideas. I really like the writing. So we're talking new ideas and we found out like an amazing idea. That's like one of my favorite ideas in a long time that we're working on together. I'm like, wow, I'm super psyched about that. I also just really like them. They're talented. So you know, I mean, it comes down to new ideas in that case. And I have to look at—I'm judging their next ideas. And their next ideas are like similarly unsalable or weird. then I'm like, mm, I don't know, feels like an uphill battle, especially for me at this point in my career. So like, if I was like the first year as a manager, good writing was all I met, ma- all I worried about really. Mm. I'm like, well, I can—I can, I can fix it, you know. But I have more clients now, and I have less—everyone's favorite word—bandwidth for uh, you know up-and-comers. I just—it's I, kind of like my bar is a lot higher now. Because I have so many clients that I want to, you know, give them attention. So the way to get my attention to get on the radar is to really be amazing, you know, so it just it's just it's that's how it is for anybody, I'm sure.
0: Right. And Todd went on to also ask, um, I thought i heard you say on scripts and scribes, thanks for listening. Uh, and please no more road trip scripts. Did I hear you correctly on that? If so, why?
1: everyone's got a fucking road trip script man everyone's like here's my road trip road trip scripts are like the least like plot oriented things ever because like things just happen and i mean look there's like little miss sunshine that's amazing you know but I, i think i don't know i haven't read any that i really liked you know they don't make them anymore you know um that much i think you know i don't know it'd have to be really amazing it's like my least favorite pilot is like person in new york or LA like loses their job or loses their mind and moves back home to their small town and starts working in the family business, which is a mortuary or a restaurant or a firehouse or it's like that. I've seen that a million times. And the road trip is like my least favorite feature because it's just like, and also how do I sell it? I'm like, Hey guys, this road trip script. This family goes on the road to like make it to Wally's water park or something. You're like, all right. Is that like the movie from the eighties? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much the same. I don't know. I don't like them so maybe there's other managers out there who do and that they would be your target demographic but I'm not that person
0: right um Art also asked uh and I think you already sort of answered it again but I'm going to throw it out there in case you want to expand on it how much actual writing in terms of screenplay would you expect or likes to work with someone assuming they have many other ideas to work on so you you would mention one amazing brilliant script and you know at least a handful <laughs> of log lines
1: this phrase a little awkwardly so could you repeat yeah.
0: it yeah no i mean it says how much actual writing in terms of screenplay you would expect slash like to work with someone assuming they have many a other ideas to work on finished one <laughs> yeah once amazing only, right and one then a bunch of... of or a handful of log lines right strong long you
1: were like hey can i send you my pitch hey can i send you my paragraph and we can write a script together no right <laughs> it happens daily really me. Some of you today, they're like, hey, well, I want to do this with something. We would split the profits together. I'm like, oh, OK, you know, like, no, I need to finish screenplay. That is what I need. At right. least one screenplay. Um,
0: Jack, what's that?
1: I'm not a teacher. I'm not no. going to read your draft,
0: you know. Uh uh-huh. Jack Schumann asked, how many queries do you get in a day and how long does it take you to respond to queries if you're interested?
1: I get like thirty or forty, like probably. Um, God, always in the morning. In the morning is when, like, for whatever reason, I think everyone sent it overnight or something. But I usually wake up to like twelve to fifteen, mm-hmm. and then um, you know they come throughout the day. I mean, I'm an obsessive inbox cleaner, so I generally read them the day of or so. I mean, generally, if I haven't responded within 24 hours, there are exceptions, but if I ever respond within 24 hours, I'm not responding. Mm-hmm. Generally. Right. And of those,
0: I, I, I'm sure it varies day by day, but sort of on average, of the 30 you get, how many would you say you would actually respond to? On one average? Or two. One or two? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Um, Jason Belito asked What is your advice for a writing team of two writers that have a script and are seeking representation?
1: Same as for people who are not a writing team?
0: Is it more, are, are writers, like, in a team? I know for television, it potentially, or in the past it has. I don't know if now it's still the case with the writers. You know, because of salary, you know, as a writing team, you got paid <laughs> in half.
1: <laughs> but, for teachers and for TV, you're splitting the money.
0: Right. So, um, but in a writer's room, it was valuable to have two voices sometimes and you, who got paid as one. But now I, there's probably wow. not...
1: Oh, but not for the people who are the writers
0: right right but now that you know for feature writers especially I, that's probably not the case at all that's so they're not they're not more appealing are they
1: i don't i know they're not more appealing certainly i personally there are some good writing teams i, I personally represent but i've also had problems working with writers writing teams mm. um back when i was a producer it happened a couple of times there's like three or four times that it happened where it would be like, and maybe it's because I was working with like less professional writers. Cause I was like early in my career just as a producer that we would have a whole meeting and then we decide on a direction. And then like, I get like an email a couple days later. They're like, Hey, so Bill didn't like it. And he didn't want to say anything in the meeting, but he really didn't like the direction. So we're going in a different way. And I was like, like there'd always, there's half those times there'd be someone who wouldn't speak up in the room and then would decide after the fact that they just didn't like it, but they didn't feel comfortable saying it to my face or something. Um, And, or they didn't agree on things, you know? Um, I swear to God, like 50% or more of writing teams break up direct, same thing with directing teams, Hmm. you know? Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, I represent three writing teams. Um, One is married. One is a pair of brothers and one, just two friends. Um, but yeah, that's it, you know, same, same for anyone, honestly, but in terms of my advice, it's just the same for everybody, you know, other than you just have to be aware you're going to be splitting the money. Mm -hmm. Um, That first money is not great. And so that can be a real struggle, but you know, you get going, it'll be good.
0: Right. Um, Chris Jenkins asked, what are your thoughts (laughs) on contests? If I start placing, is that a good time to query a manager?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, like you know, people are like I was number, f- I was a semifinalist in the Beverly Hills screenplay competition. I'm like I don't know what the hell that is, so I don't care. Um, I mean, it have to be like, like if you look at Sophie Dawson thing. She was like, I'm a, I'm a Nickels quarterfinalist or semifinalist. And honestly, I didn't really care about that. I just don't like. There's like 1,500 nickels semifinalists or some number like that. Like there's a lot, and so it doesn't like really make you stand out. But it's a nice thing to put there you know i would say if you win a screenplay competition especially one that's actually like very viable like austin or like final draft big break or script pipeline or, i mean i have probably heard about it then you know but um that's something to, to do i i read someone's script a couple of weeks ago that i think won like uh austin or something one of the one of the sections in austin and i was like oh, okay this is one austin i'll check it out um but you know it's like don't don't sign up for random McGee, like, I the the Wichita Bay screenplay competition. It doesn't mean anything to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like being, you know, like, it's like trying to go to a modeling agency and be like, I was Miss Wichita Bay, and they're like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. So um, that would be the thing. Focus your fire on the, the most relevant competitions and contests, and the way you can figure that out, I've certainly talked about them in some of my threads or whatever that's on – the compilations on Kevin's site. But, you know, also just do a little checking around. Are these competitions that people care about that people pay attention to? Because if they're not, then it doesn't matter really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You can mention it and, and people will respond to it. If it's a, if it's a competition that they respect, you know, it's better to place in the semis or the quarters of a competition that people care about than to win the Wichita Bay competition, you know,
0: all this free promotion for Wichita
1: <laughs> I, I don't, Wichita, I, just, I was like putting words together. I'm like, I'm pretty sure when I think of Wichita, there's no bays. In right. no water anywhere near Wichita. But maybe I'm wrong. My American geography is shoddy. <laughs> well, um, I'm an American citizen, though, so there you go.
0: Um, Jose Bustos asks, uh, he says, hi, John. What do you think about genres like steampunk or cyberpunk? Do you think a steampunk TV sample can be a good bet for an aspiring writer?
1: I mean, those aren't genres, per se. Those are sci-fi or fantasy. Like, that's the genre that they live in. That's a specific subgenre that you're talking about, you know? Um, And it wouldn't be like, I only read steampunk, because, like, there's not a lot of steampunk opportunities out there, you know? Um, I think steampunk is a little goofy. Um, At times, you know, there's stuff like... um, Oh my gosh is the amazon show that orlando bloom does i think that's like the most relevant most kind of like well aware steampunk thing there's a fair number of cyberpunk things although to be honest with you at this point what's the difference between you know was the matrix cyberpunk you know i don't know it was like i'm trying to think of other things that were, I, I think for weirdly enough i would say sci-fi and cyberpunk have merged pretty closely where most people would not be able to distinguish the two things i mean if you're a real fan and i am actually a fan of that, like you would know the slight differences, but most people, it's just sci-fi to them. You know, it's just like futuristic sci-fi. Like is Blade Runner a cyberpunk? Kind of, you know, I I think it actually slightly predates the genre. Um, So yeah, you know, it's like, I I don't know, like a good good sample is a good sample is a good sample, but I wouldn't identify myself as a cyberpunk or a steampunk writer. I would identify myself as a sci-fi writer or a fantasy writer. Um, with the larger
0: genres.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, my only concern on punk is it has a real predilection towards goofiness, if not gone properly.
0: Right. Um, Robin Streichler said, um, I sent a query letter to you at info at bellevueprods.com a week ago. Is that the correct email to use? Uh, and on that note, how do you get your initial well-crafted query letter or pitch read by managers?
1: You sent it there, then I read it um that is that is the the one for bellevue um and this this, how do you get it read by managers is that the question Mm -hmm. you send it to them (laughs) i don't know what to say other than that you gotta in terms of how you get people's email addresses um i feel like there are things circulating out there i mean mine is certainly on my website and i would assume for other uh, for the ones that accept unsolicited queries i'm pretty sure it's on their website but um, I, I don't know. I, it's not. A, I've never been in a position of trying to find ways to send query letters to email to managers, so I'm not the person to ask about that. I, I mean, I'm just. I'm, I'm on the. I'm on the. I'm on the receiving end, not the sending end. Mm-hmm.
0: And what I'll throw in, just from having multiple conversations with John and other lit managers, <laughs> um, in terms of queries, the at least from consensus, and you can throw in as well, John. The most important part. Um, is the logline having mm-hmm. a really, really strong logline? Some managers will skip straight to the logline. They won't read the letter at all until they like the logline. And secondly, keep it pithy, keep it short. In- you know, they don't want to see a wall of text, or that's almost for some managers, it's an instant delete. If it's a three-paragraph letter, a query letter, and then your your logline's buried somewhere in there, they probably won't read it.
1: Or an attachment. An attachment. Or, right. Delete to me. Auto delete. The same way that some random person sent you something with an with an attachment that you didn't know, you'd be like delete. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's an auto delete. That's a that's like that's a gate that's a door um, threshold mistake essentially. Um, on scripts and scribes, you know, I do have a query letter thread where I break down, um, you know, how I recommend doing a query email. And honestly, like Sophie Dawson's query email to me was pretty much the pitch perfect version of that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, there's examples out there, but really it all comes down, you can write something that's perfect in its form, but like if the logline doesn't seem interesting to me and 90%, god, 95% of the time, the logline feels generic. It's like, you know, Jack loves Jill, but Jill doesn't love him. So he must convince Jill to love him. And I'm like, great. You know, it's so like, it's got to feel interesting and different and fresh. Mm -hmm. And 95% of the time, log line itself and some people like i'm not good at writing log lines i'm like well then you probably should get better you know because it is people don't like writing them but it's it's a way to figure out how to sell your product you know
0: right and distill it down um and what i'll also uh throw in (laughs) is that uh, uh log lines are used all over town for all sorts of reasons and if you can't if you don't have a strong log line for your script uh, then it's gonna hurt you in many ways. Your script could be brilliant. If you don't have a good log line, a lot of people won't end up reading it. So work I mean, on that. It's writing. It's writing, you know.
1: When you heard, like, I'm like, hey, I saw this great movie. Oh, cool. What's it called? What's it about? That's a log line. Mm-hmm. I have to tell my friend what it's about. I'm like, oh, I can it with this guy called Jack, and he's really in love with this girl called Jill, and Jill just was one. And like, that sounds kind of boring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't pitch it properly, right? Like, I'm like, no, it's actually amazing because Jill's a robot. Right. Like, <laughs> the beginning that's more interesting
0: uh you Mm -hmm. you'd mentioned your client sophie's logline which was perfect Uh, i don't know Mm -hmm. how much detail or you would want to or can give but maybe can you tell us a little bit about why that was great
1: i put it out on twitter and it's also the black it's it's the one in the blacklist Mm -hmm. so i can read it i'm pulling up the blacklist pulling up the 2020 blacklist so i can just read it uh
0: While you're looking for that, I'm going to throw in Gustavo Garzon said, awesome chat. Thank you. Uh, John, you lost 20 years without the beard. Thanks, guys. So there you go.
1: I mean, thank you. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I guess. Thank you, I think. Um, Yeah, I know. That's why I shaved it. I was like, I'm going to be on camera. I got to look, you know, I got to look relatively my age. Um, So there we go. Uh, So here's the log line a high functioning cannibal selects his victims based on their Instagram popularity, but finds his habits shaken by a man who wants to be eaten. Um, so that's, you know, that's that was the one I put my, that was in the thread that was like, I was like, shit, that sounds weird. You've got someone who's a cannibal. So you're like, it's kind of a great example of, you set up a, a thing, a high functioning cannibal. Okay, well, that's different. Finds himself shaken by a man who wants to be eaten. So you set up something weird, and then you introduce something even weirder and you're like, okay, weird. You know, like, wow, that's like, that seems interesting. How would some, why would someone want to be, you know? So like it, it has a mystery aspect of like, how does this work? You know? And again, that's something that you're like, be drawn in by. Like, so my client Ian Shore, when he was at USC, the way he got his first manager, not me, um, we he got his first manager was he was doing this pitch fest at USC that they do because he had gone to USC and he didn't want it to, like, USC teaches you to do, like, this whole elaborate, like, 20, 10-minute pitch of, like, and then this happens. And he's like, realized that people weren't responding to that. So all I did was describe his opening scene. He goes, there's a bunch of teenagers. They're in a police car. They're doing donuts. They're surrounded by cops all with their guns drawn. When they finally get arrested by the cops, they're in, they're they're let out of jail 24 hours later. If you want to know why, read the script.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, okay, that's interesting. You know, and so like that's more important than anything is getting people intrigued. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, like, they want to read. You know, the reality is we don't want to read. Nobody wants to read. I don't want another script to read. Oh my god, you know. So like, if I'm going to read it, just like anyone else in town, and I read more than most people, uh, if I'm going to read it, then like I better be intrigued. You know.
0: That's the thing is uh, that sort of old axiom: like nobody wants to read, but everyone wants to find the next great script. So it's that sort of contradiction um uh let's see here uh eric munzert said uh what if someone pitched you a sideways slash parasite concept of dark comedy tone i don't
1: i mean if it was cool then cool
0: yeah i guess it depends on uh the pitch (laughs) or the log line right to get your attention
1: a really good idea hmm well, then I would go for it, you right. know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. And please don't send me your log lines to judge. Please don't put in your live lines to judge them in the chat, please. I don't want to. Right. People do that to me on Twitter, and I'm like, you understand that from a legal point of view, I can't do that because mm-hmm. I've then like let's say i'm like oh here's a great li-. I'm like oh, let me tweak your log line for you or yeah that's a cool log line you know and then like a year later two years later i write a script that has some gl- or no, i don't write a script i represent a script that has some glancing similarity versus like sues me and they're like they stole my idea mm-hmm. and i'm like why i don't know your idea they're like yeah you call me on my log line two years ago and i'm like oh shit you know so i don't you know the same way that i don't read scripts without release forms you know
0: yeah we live in a very litigious society so if uh, reps or companies ask you for a release that's sort of standard i mean if it's Super a reputable company of course um, Super standard.
1: yeah also why you don't go to a clubhouse telling everyone you're out. <laughs> right
0: or pay someone on clubhouse to uh i will guarantee that someone will make your script for and send me you know 1300 dollars <laughs> or 1400 right just the amount of the stimulus check send me your 1400 and i'll guarantee someone will make your screenplay and produce it right <laughs> um Charles Beckwith asked, uh, you mentioned 10, uh, what is it? You mentioned 10%, but I've heard managers get paid more. What's the going rate? Uh, what affects that?
1: You are wrong. You're thinking of music managers. Music managers get paid 15%. Um, literary managers get paid 10%.
0: Well, I remember some, it was probably years ago, managers, uh, when they sort of became bigger, more prominent, they were taking 15 early on. This is, again, 10 Ten years ago,
1: I, I don't remember oh. hearing that. I would be super shocked because, like, it's just it's such an easy thing to like. It's such an e. Well, I'll tell you what's more common, honestly, is like this is actually not a lit thing because good luck with it in lit. But like, what I have heard is like A list movie stars are represented by an agent, and the agent's accent mm. are three percent, but they don't want because like that big A list star is like, I don't really need you, I'm right? Are you know. And but that person brings in so much attention, like, oh my god, you represent Tom Cruise or like, I don't know, um, Reese Witherspoon or whatever, right? Um, wow, I want to go with you. They br- they bring people in, so they're willing to take a low percentage, although they will never ever acknowledge that because the moment we say, oh, Tom Cruise gets, I will only really give him a five percent uh, commission or whatever, everyone's like, well, I'm a big star too, why don't I get five percent? You know, mm-hmm. like, so they'll never admit that, honestly. The fifteen percent thing, I uh, make. I actually hadn't heard that, Kevin. I mean, there's a lot of unscrupulous people out there. I mean, to me, the weird thing: is someone became a big deal. Usually, they move into producing. But fifteen um, percent, I honestly have never ever heard of anyone um, who's a reputable person asking that on the lit side, on the music side. Like, I'm pretty. I think Scooter Braun takes fifteen percent, mm-hmm. but I don't know if Ariana Grande has like a music agency. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're. Right. I think he does. In the music world, managers tend to operate like, like Irving Azoff is like the guy, you know? So like the 50% is all in for everything. So I don't know. I don't know the music business super duper well. Um, So, although I do have some projects with Scooter and his company.
0: Right. Well, I I can chat with you a little off uh, camera about a a couple of things. But but I have heard in the past, again, this was 10 years ago of, um, from my agency days, of managers charge legit managers charging 15 but it was rare and it was a long time ago um, people are of this. um now 10 percent is the standard rate um and it has been for a long time and if a manager produces your work and ends up being a producer they, they oftentimes they refund your commission so they don't take anything
1: i, did. I had to cut you into a big goddamn shit <laughs> <laughs> uh so.
0: there you go um todd uh Klinger had Says, I feel confident that I'll place in nickel, but too eager to wait until the announcements. I have no connections. I'm unrepped. What is my best course of action?
1: You can send a query letter now. No one's stopping you,
0: right? And the thing about nickel and a lot of contests is, is you never know what the decision. You, there's been good scripts that don't that don't do well in it, and you know, scripts that, I mean, consensus wise, you know. May not be I've as taken, great uh, that, that that do okay or do well in it. So
1: I'm taking the as I was like, we're selling this script. There's no there's no chance we're not selling this. Right. Didn't sell. Yeah. I've taken. A, I was like, there's no way we're selling this, and then we sold it. But but ninety percent of the time, I'm right about what sells and what doesn't sell. Right. Um, which is to say, you might be like, well, John, why don't you sell every single script you do? Or nine times out of ten, sometimes they've get scripts that I'm like. I think this is good, but not great. I don't, I think it's gonna be a hard sell. Like I'm sure I'm generally pretty aware of what the level of sellability of things are, you know, there've been things that I've sold that I was surprised to sell there being things that we didn't sell that I was surprised didn't sell, but more often than not, the thing that occurs is kind of what I expected, but I take things out there because I'm building a larger reputation for my clients and it's all part of the process. And then sometimes miracles do happen, you know? Um, but, yeah, if you're sure you're going to pop plays, I hope you're right, you know, yeah. but if you're asking me, what can you do? You can query now. I mean, you know, you're like, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, like being in the semis or the quarters or the nickel, I mean, the, if you're a nickel finalist, that's really like, wow, that's like you and like 11 people and 10 people or something right. like that. You know? I've gotten queries, those people like it becomes an incoming business and an outgoing business, but I have gotten queries, I think from people who are finalists or became, I don't know, I think we repped someone who was a winner last year, I think Zach did um so um anyhow um i, th- I think we had two two of the people um so um but yeah i mean you know i, I don't know that being a nickels or a semi finals or quarterfinals for me it's not a super duper like oh my god i have to read this thing but the reality is like i read all my queries i just do because i'm an obsessive person that way i'm convinced the one time i don't is when the great thing will slip through my fingers i'm like ah <laughs> um but um sometimes what i'll do when there's like a big spec sale i'll go back through my email and be like did i know this person did they query me thankfully it hasn't happened but god knows it will one day hmm. um but um but yeah i mean but look that might but i will say that there are other managers in town you know that that may mean a lot more too you know especially up in commerce who may not be aware that like there's 1500 quarter finalists and like 750 like semifinals finals or, or something i forget i forget which one is bigger semi or quarter um but yeah, you know, so if you're confident then you're confident. Then if you're confident then you're confident in your log lines and just send it out and like if you know if it sounds cool, then I'm gonna read it, you know, to, mm-hmm. me, it good to me.
0: Um Jess Wainston says, Thank you, John, for doing this. So well, thank you from all of us actually. Um Broder Bro asked, Do you work with European slash Asian clients trying to use their unique background to sell stories in Hollywood?
1: I'm assuming they mean like clients who live in Europe or Asia, right?
0: I, you know, I don't know, but it's his background. So
1: I mean, you're if you're in if you're European of descent in North America, then you're not particularly unique. So I suspect he's referring to people who live
0: or maybe near. the, you know, a Eurasian, you know, like my son, um, who is Hapa, you know, half white, half uh, Asian. I don't know if that's yeah,
1: the kind of ways. So if you're referring to someone who lives in the United States um, domestically and has that background, then absolutely. I mean, I like, have a ton of diverse clients. And you know, ideally, their, their work speaks very specifically to their background, because that's a way to really like, establish who they are, their voice. I mean, they're not locked into only doing that. But obviously, you know, a lot of the stories that are most interesting are the ones that speak to your own experiences. Um, if you're talking about people who are in Europe or in Asia in terms of actually living there at the time when I read their material. Yeah, I have a client in Belgium and we just optioned to script to a Spanish company. Um I would say um I don't TV people I don't do because for TV you've got to be in the United States and specifically when the pandemic ends got to be in Los Angeles. So TV is is very 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 hard. I mean, maybe one day I might, but it'd be a long shot. For features I do um but you know, it have to be also super amazing because You know, just being in Los Angeles and especially being in the States, at least, is just, you know, like if you're in Europe, it's going to be really hard to set Zoom meetings for you just for the time difference, Hmm. let alone when the pandemic is over and we want you to come to town. But like I have clients who are in Finland. I have clients in in Belgium. So, you know, I'm open to it. But the bar is quite high. The bar is higher than it would be for people in the United States.
0: SP asked, what genres are you looking for?
1: I would say all, I don't do a lot of broad comedy. You know what I'm saying? To be fair, broad comedy is not something the industry does a ton of anyhow. Um, although I did have a great broad comedy idea and it's not right for any of my clients because they're really like, so I watched it over to Todd Garner. So we're working on that together. So that's really fun because he and his company are super into that world. They have a big background in that. So that's really fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
1: but uh, but yeah, I don't really do a lot of broad comedy. Beyond that, I'm open to all things. Um, I mean, look, I would say my specific area of success has been the genre, Thriller, supernatural, horror, horror, thriller, action. But you know, I've also done like a lot of biopics. You know, so yeah, I'm open to all things. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Todd Klinger asks: Does everyone at Bellevue uh, work with different genres from each other? Like, do you no. each have a favorite? No.
1: No, I mean, like, I'm sure there's. Well, I'm sure we all have slightly different favorites, but I would say our tastes are pretty closely aligned. I would say that Kate Sharp and Zach Zucker tend to work more with directors than Zach or I, than Jeff or I do. Jeff and I are a little more lip based than they are, and Kate and Zach, they, I mean, they like to watch. I just, I just don't like. I didn't, generally don't like watching short films. I'm really late. I can read very fast, but a short film, I'm not going to watch it in one and a half time, right? Like that's not fair to the situation. So, um, for me, a filmmaker's got to be like, I do represent this amazing uh, director called Jason Park put a short film in Sundance this year. And like, that was something, I hear he sent me a script first and i read the script and it was amazing. And they sent me a short film and the short film was amazing. So that was like, I was like, wow, this is really special. You know, I do have directors who I represent but they tend to come from a writing background. Um, so, but yeah, I would say Zach and Kate are a little bit more into the director space than Jeff and myself. But beyond that, we're all pretty much the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say the broad comedy thing is pretty much the case for almost everybody at Bellevue. I mean, in general, broad comedy, uh, it's just not something that people do a ton of anymore in this industry.
0: Um, Let's see here. Stanley Curtis asks, when it comes to scripting shows of genres, is there a way to balance more than one genre in a show?
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The answer is yes. The X-Files does, you know, so or did yeah i mean yeah absolutely you just have to do it well
0: mm-hmm. i mean i mean
1: what I, would say, what I would say is there should be ideally one genre like we have a client who wrote like a sci-fi comedy thing but it also has like some pretty dark stuff in it and we're actually working with him to kind of write a little bit a, a script that is a little more tonally like in one tone he has this amazing true story that happened to him that's kind of like very much better called solid breaking bad vibe so we're having him work on that as one of his samples just because the the problem is when people read a, a, a sample that has a lot of different tones in it, they're like, they'll be like, this is great writing, but they don't know if it's right for their show because they're kind of like, Well, I don't know what where is, is this person a good fit for our show? Because I don't really know what the tone of this is, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So
1: yeah, that's that can be the issue. Right. It's in terms of how do I sell you as a writer. Uh
0: Stanley also asks how do you know how to get a good script and maintain demographics by use of the same script? How can you tell that quote, this is the script end quote moment?
1: I don't understand the question. Yeah. I'm,
0: um How do you know how to get a good script and maintain demographics by use of the same script? How can you tell that this is the script moment? Yeah. Uh, Stanley, we don't, don't quite think, understand don't that. that question.
1: I mean, I think it, how do I know it's good? That's what I've, that's the instincts I've grown yeah, 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 yeah. in the business.
0: Um, okay. Uh, Lydia cap asks, do you consider adaptations and are you looking for people with specific excellence in adapting books? I've written one optioned adaptation and want a career doing more. What should be my next step? So I guess someone who really enjoys doing adaptations uh Specifically from books, is is that a track for someone? And have it's, you?
1: It is, you know. I mean, it's the reality is no one's like I. I really can't think of anyone like wow they're the they're the they're the they're the expert at adapting books. Do you know what I'm saying? so the reality is a lot of people like so. My wife she adapted the Madonna script into Blonde Ambition. She adapted Queens of the Stone days was adapted from a true story of an article. She has this thing, Murder in the Dance, that's adapted from a stage play. Um uh the K-pop stories adapted is was inspired by this article. So she's like, I guess has adapted multiple true stories. She's running a spec right now that's based on a true story. She written another script that's based on a true story. The weird thing is though, is I don't think I've ever pitched her as like someone who's good at true stories or adaptations. It's just she's good at music movies and like female driven stories. Um so yeah, I don't know. I I mean, the good script is a good script is a good script. The, I only, do, the only I only do adaptations thing is a little weird because it's almost limiting in a way. Um, but like if you sent me a script and you're like, yeah, this is an adaptation of a book. My first question would be like, well, do you have the rights to adapt that book? Well, in her question, in that- she
0: said she's uh, it's one optioned adaptation. So it sounds like she is optioned the rights to the whatever it is the book is. That's my guess because it says she's written one optioned adaptation and wants a career doing more. What should be her next step?
1: Uh, Write a screenplay that is an adaptation of a book that you have the rights to and make it really good and then send it out to people for management. So I I guess
0: also would – if they send you an adaptation, a screenplay is an adaptation, uh, that actually has – that the writer has the option rights or option the rights to that – is that mm-hmm. okay? Does that make it more palatable as a read? Like, this is something yeah. that may be sellable as opposed to yeah. just a writing they sample. They
1: don't have the rights to the underlying book. They're like, I've adapted Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Like, right. what do I do with this, right? Because the question again Otherwise, is- Otherwise, like,
0: it's fan fiction, right?
1: What do I do with this? Right. What do I do with this? And and the thing is, you're like, well, I've adapted this book that I don't have the rights to, but I just want to show what a good adapter I am. The problem is people are going to be like, well, how much of that just came from the book, mm-hmm. you know? So like- Yeah, that would be the only thing,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Uh, Sam Gamgee asked, does the fact that English isn't the writer's first language turn you off?
1: Only if it shows up in the writing. So my client in Belgium never would have guessed that English wasn't his first language. Never would have guessed. His his writing is far better than any English speakers, than a lot of English speakers' uh, writing. He's phenomenal. We got on the, the Zoom with him, and then we're like, oh, okay, you that's you, you know a, a, a clear accent you know but uh but yeah i mean look it's just it's you know it's like it doesn't turn me off as long as your writing is so good that it doesn't present as it being your first language mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of people whose english is their first language and their writing makes it seem like it's not you know right
0: so. yeah no and I, I i've mentioned before i get query letters and i'm not obviously a lit rep but oftentimes they come from foreign countries, from you know Africa and things like that, where uh, English may not be their first language or whatever. And it's clear that that English is not their first language. And if I was a lit rep and I got uh, a query letter and English was clearly not their first language, yeah, I think it would be difficult—a difficult, difficult sell. I
1: get a poorly written query letter, whether it's from America or otherwise. Right. It's a poorly written. Query letter. If you can't write a query letter, then I'm not super excited about your 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 potential screenplay writing.
0: Right. Uh, uh, Stanley Curtis asked another question, which I think we sort of addressed, but I'm gonna ask, uh, which is which is more better working with a writing team or working with individuals, and if the latter, why? Which your answer was previously, it doesn't really matter as long as the writing's there, right?
1: Yeah, it pretty much does. I mean, look, if I had to choose between the theoretical, it's who's which which is better. That that would be the answer the one that it's better to work with the better one,
0: Mm -hmm. um. Let's see. Art Tuwari asked, uh, would you refer a writer to another manager if you like the work but are too busy or already have someone in that genre? Any other up and coming managers to keep an eye on them?
1: I have done it once in a while, honestly. Not that often, though. People are like, when I pass them, the script, they're like, great, can you send me to another manager? Not my job, man. It's not my job, mm-hmm. you know. Not really in the business of like, plus, if I reach out to another manager, like if a manager reached out to me and was like, hey, I didn't like this script, but here's for you, I'd be like, Well, thanks, buddy, Jesus, you know? Um, it, that's weird, you know. Um, so I don't do it often. I have done it once in a while. Like, for example, I'm not a huge short film guy, and and the short and the short film wasn't for a people at my at my company. But my buddy Scott Stoops over at Good Fear, he's very oriented into like the director space and the horror director short film space. So I sent it to him, and this was actually someone I knew. All right, it was someone the person who sent it to me was someone I personally knew. So it was a little bit more incumbent upon that. I have, I would say, I don't really do it for queries. I do it for people that I know, you know, who mm-hmm. are friends. Because I want to do them a favor because they're my friends. But in a general level, no, I don't really. Do. I might. Here's what I might do. If I like it, but I don't love it, I'll share it internally at Bellevue. And if people at Bellevue, if no one else at Bellevue loves it, then that's that. Hmm. But it's not my, I'm not in the business of recommending things to competitors. Like, sure. you know, there's people out there that I like, you know what I'm saying? But like, um, I'm not in the business of, 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 it's it's also weird, you know? Just, it's a weird thing to do. These are kind of like, here's this thing that I didn't like, but maybe you would, because your standards are lower. <laughs> right.
0: Um. Stanley Curtis asked another question. Does your writing, does writing contest help build your career or do you just have to look for connections within the industry? You sort of mentioned. What you, have
1: to do is you have to pay me a million dollars and I will connect you with
0: people.
1: Um, you know, I was like, how do I make connections? I got to do my networking. Like, I don't know. I, I found six, five, six clients last year through query emails. Hmm. You know? That's pretty good. Yeah, that was actually astonishing because prior to that, I'd found like one in like five years.
0: So, so do, you th- weird. do you think that was because I, of the pandemic?
1: I think it was because of Twitter. Um, I think because I became better known in, on Twitter mm-hmm. in part because of the amazing nonsense. Um, it increased my profile. Weirdly, weirdly, I didn't have a huge profile. And a, a person accusing me of trying to build a profile oh. built my profile in a bizarre way that I was not looking for. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah weirdly I built my profile also I think some of my clients had like posted about me on Reddit who had had good experiences Mm. and that's like that led to Sophie directly actually oh wow which I got in my thread she like I think Chris either Chris Parizzo or Ian Shore had posted like I think a scripts and scribes episode or or, or a thread that I had done Mm -hmm. Um, and so but I think the increase in queer letters had I mean my queer letters used to be like 10 a day now they're like 30, 40, 50 a day you know, mm-hmm. um, so like, I'm pretty sure after this one, I'm going to get like 10 that are like, I was watching your live stream, which like, cool. Like, that's great. You know, that's as it should be. But like, you do these events, you do like, I did like this, po- I, you do podcasts and it just come kind of trickles out there and you get more stuff. But yeah, I think there was like, I was doing more podcasts. I was doing, I think the scripts and scribes, t- the Twitter compilation helped to that, the increased Twitter. I just got more, I got more uh, query emails. And you know, as a result, the quality increased because i went from 10 to 30 and then you know instead of there being one good one every three or four days there was like one good one a day basically yeah right. not all but something so yeah it was i don't it was an interesting situation um it, it was it was a little surprising to be honest with you but yeah i mean look i've talked about this in all my just go on my website or go on go go to twitter and then literally just scripts and scribes I've talked about the various ways you can find representation, and honestly, making connections—whatever that means—I don't even know what that means—is um, is not one of the things, personally. I mean, there's like contests, there's the blacklist, there's cover fly, there's script pipeline, there's lots of other things out there, you know. So there's other—I've talked about that many, many times. So I would just go on, go to my go to go to scripts and scribes, look for my Twitter thread compilation, and that will speak to it. Mm-hmm. I
0: would. Throw in though that in television, having connections is especially important because a lot of those people they all it's, it's a very closed,
1: you Yeah, know. that's a different. I mean, the, yeah. the person who's working here, it doesn't sound to me necessarily like they're necessarily sure. the if they are, I'm incorrect, and they want to work in TV. Look, actually, some person was emailing me who's like, I'm like, I'm on, I used to be a writer's assistant, so I'm this board for script coordinators, and this person was, I think, in a low moment, they're like. They were emailing me because they knew who I was. And they're like, how do I do this? How do I break in? You know, I hate my day job. And like, I actually was like, I actually referred them to the Twitter compilation, But I was like, look, there's three ways to break in as a TV writer. There is the fellowships, mm-hmm. you know, you can apply to. Uh, there is working on a TV show and working your way up, which is tricky because A, you could be on a great TV show where they like to promote people and they gets canceled. You could be on a TV show that lasts for 10 years, but they don't like to promote internally. There's probably a million people ahead of you, you know, but, but it does happen, right? Like I have seen that happen. That's the connections you're speaking to, Mm -hmm. um, or you get representation and they put you in the mix for things. Now, ideally you're doing all three things. So like I have a client, um, and she is applying to all the fellowships, you know, she's working on a TV show and she is us out there working really hard for her. You know, I actually have multiple clients like that. You know, one guy was on a writer's as assistant on a Netflix TV show. He also was part of Imagine Impact and he's got me and his agent, like putting his name up for things constantly. So, hmm. you know, those are the three ways, you know, fellowships, uh, working on a television show and getting reps. And if you're not located in Los Angeles, then really the only ones are fellowships and uh your reps because you you know right but even
0: with fellowships uh i don't know what it is actually right now with the pandemic yeah. but before and i'm sure after the pandemic uh they don't pay for you to be here and you have to be here to participate in the fellowship so you still have to be in los angeles to go to all of the classes and all that kind of thing in los angeles
1: yeah you see fellowship after that you end up on a tv show right
0: on TV show. right so. but except for disney they don't give you any money to really relocate to la so
1: yeah for tv you gotta be in Los Angeles. That's a non-negotiable. I might sign someone who doesn't live in Los Angeles and I have, but the idea is they're moving, post-pandemic, they're moving to Los
0: Angeles. Um, Ross G asks, what are some of your favorite recent, within the last five years, horror or sci-fi films?
1: I honestly don't. It's hard for me to think of these things off the top of my head. The first one that comes to mind was like Invisible Man, Mm -hmm. um, Get Out, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, all the usual great ones, honestly, you know? Um, it's easier for me to think of like my favorite movies of all time. Cause I've like, that's like a list that's stored in my brain. But, um, the last five years, I swear I could be like, I really liked Nightcrawler. And then you're like, that was 10 years ago. I'm like, Oh my God. Time is passing <laughs> fast, you know? Right. So yeah, it's really hard to like, think of that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're nearing uh, 90 minutes on here. So I don't want to bombard you with too many more. We've got a few more questions. I'll just run through. I'm not
1: going to Kevin, so. All right, I mean, great. Let's... Well
0: then we'll go through a few more here. Um, it's, it's only if you want to do it. Let's see, Augusto Augusto Amador asked, how proactive do you want your clients to be when it comes to reaching out on their own to showrunners, producers, and executives?
1: Zero, don't do it. If you have a manager, that is their job. Mm-hmm. And it's weird if you have a manager and you're reaching, unless there's a personal relationship. So for example, a client sees something in deadline or more likely, hears about it through like their network or whatever. They're like, Hey, my former bosses or these guys I used to work with are starting up a new, t- they just sold a show. And I think they're going to go into pilot. Um, we should put, make sure I'm in the mix. And so what we'll say is like, okay, cool. We'll make sure that network executives and the studio executives know your name. Why don't you reach out to your buddies and let them know if these people are not your friends, if you do not know them personally, that is your rep's job. And you reaching out cold is weird, and you should never do it. It's Mm -hmm. the job of the representation that makes us look bad if you do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, Stanley Curtis is back with another question. Which is more effective, a logline or a synopsis? If it's not the (laughs) latter, why?
1: Logline. Gotcha. Brevity is... Synopsis, man
0: uh johnny grant says hi would you accept referral query from a uk writer or uk's writer sorry a uk writer's uk agent i have two on-screen credits uh on produced movies and my rep has asked if i'd like her to submit on my behalf
1: yeah i mean if someone has an agent and they're an actual real person not just their their wife under a different name or themselves. <laughs> Ian Sure used to be his <laughs> own manager. Like, I mean, you remember from his podcast, like, uh-huh. like, oh, my agent. And I'm like, Google the agent. I'm like, oh, this is no one. This is a fake person. Right. And I'm like, oh, you're out, you know? If it's a real person, then yeah, sure. I mean, I'm a little bit like weirded out like why they don't like, just, they're a real person. They don't just pick up the phone and call or something. Right. yeah, like there's a comedy manager in New York. He's like, I like your Twitter thread. So we're going to talk on Thursday. And like, I
3: don't know
1: you know, like, I, I'm open to talking to anybody. So yeah, but like, if it's not someone, it's not a, if it's not a reputable agent or something like that, if they don't exist, they're not in the studio system, or like, they don't seem to be like a real person that represents anyone other than yourself. You know, so people are always like giving me referrals, like I was referred by someone that is that like, insert person I've never heard of, never spoken to, never met. Then I'm like, that means nothing. I don't mm-hmm. even know who this person is, but they're like, I was referred by so-and-so and it's someone I actually know hundred dollars guys. I am turning around and calling that person or emailing person or 48 to me and be like, do you know this person? If the answer is no, then delete. Mm-hmm. So they, these things are very easily verifiable.
0: Right. But from an agent in a foreign country, like the UK,
1: if they're real, yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Um, RMAC has a follow-up to their question regarding assignments. Uh, conventional Wisdom says that the pandemic has made Zoom standard operating procedure, but it sounds like living in LA is still a requirement. Do you have any non-LA clients? Which you do, uh, but it's primarily a requirement for...
1: Not a requirement right now. What's that? And right now, living in LA is not a requirement for OWAs.
0: Right. But in, 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 in the future, for TV especially...
1: For TV, it's non-negotiable in a non-pandemic world. TV is non-negotiable. You have to be in LA for features. It'd be better if you were, especially, especially early in your career, but Chris Devlin moved to New York when things were starting to pop off. Cause his, his now wife was going to college there and he still lives in New York and I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And that's fine. Cause he's people, he, he's blowing up, you know, mm-hmm. but if you're trying to like make your first early relationships. It's just not as the same if you're doing the Zoom than if you're actually meeting people in person. If you're going on an assignment, for example, in a non-pandemic world, and four of the five people have met in person and you, the fifth, did over Zoom, I personally think the other four people have an advantage on you because they were able to be in the room with the person to connect.
0: Right. And nobody knows how TV is going to play out. But yeah, for the most part, from everyone I've spoken to from showrunners on down, uh, most people predict that at, at the very worst in terms of like a hybrid situation where you go into the room a few days a week, and then maybe you're on zoom a few days a week, or if you're on script you're. but for the most part you still have to be like, nobody predicts that it's going to be zoom all the time from yeah, now
1: on. My clients who are staffed or my friends who've gotten staffed, the goal is in the fall to go back to an in-person
0: room. Mm-hmm.
1: And look, maybe once they'll in a week they'll do a zoom thing or whatever, but like, they're going to ex- expect the mul- the majority of the week to be in person. You just yeah. can't for TV writing. You just can't beat it. Right.
0: Yeah. Very few TV writers that I know, uh, working writers that are that really, really love, they love not commuting, but nobody really loves the, the zoom.
1: It's um, more writers, right? I don't know why.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's see. Film Magician asks, is it a turnoff when a writer lets you know they'd like to direct your direct their script? Sorry, uh, that they're pitching you, assuming you like the script.
1: Well, then they're a writer director. Sure. If you're a writer director, then you better have an amazing short film to back that up. If you don't, then I'm like, well, so like Jason Park, who wrote Transplant, um, which is this awesome script that came through a query email, who then had um, BJ's mobile gift shop at Sundance. So I read and I loved it. I saw BJ's, it was amazing. I was like, okay, this guy's not only a great writer, he's a great director and I believe in him, you know? Um, and so that was something, but um, yeah, the script's gotta be amazing and the short film's gotta be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already gotta be made. You can be like, I'm gonna make it. I'm like, no, you, got, you have to make it, you know? You're a director, the need to get, I need to have the tools to sell you as a director. If you don't have a short film, I don't have the tools.
0: Right, and sort of strategically speaking, For somebody who is a writer-director, would it behoove them to tell you right off the bat, "I this is a script I wrote and I want to direct it, or to submit it as a writer and then you love it and then like, yeah, by the way, I want to direct this?
1: No, tell me straight up because otherwise I'll be pissed that you wasted my time. (laughs) Okay. And also, the bar is way higher for Mm writer-directors because... I'm, we're not going to make a lot of money for a while because that first film, the budget's going to be like under $3 million. So you're not going to make very much money and you're not out there looking for open writing assignments, you know, probably. So, you know, it's like, how are we making money? You mm-hmm. know, we're putting it all into trying to get your, your first movie made, you know, and then try to get the next thing and try to get the next thing, you know. And look, if you can turn into like a massive director, then awesome um but it's a much harder longer grind than than a writer does in a certain way the bar is just higher for you to have to succeed right so it's you you know i i've i have signed people i just discussed one person i signed up for query email who's a writer and a director but you got to have a great script and you got to have a great short film and the bar is just higher for you so i have to be like okay i'm willing to really push my chips in on this thing knowing i probably won't make money for like two to three years right in a significant way
0: in addition, I know I've known cases where somebody was offered a certain dollar amount for the script, you know, obviously mm-hmm. to produce. And then when it's brought up that they want to direct as well, that number goes down to WG minimum. And, you know, they were offered less money for the script because they wanted to direct and it as well.
1: Walk away, like I would never show anyone a script without, and then be like, oh, actually, secretly, <laughs> I tricked you. A director already wants, wants to direct. They got to know up front with the situation. Is, right. 100%. I'm not, I mean, I'm shocked that even the number we didn't stick around if they, <laughs> people are like, you're going to direct, well, why should I believe in you as a director? Right. You know, right. their resume is just much higher, you know, so they, they buy a script from you and then that's that, then they're like, great, we'll put on an established director, you know, mm-hmm. great. Also think about it, if you're running and you're directing, they probably can't hire another writer to rewrite you.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. So they better love you know? that script. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they really love that script oh. because it's not like directors to be super down with them bringing someone else in. To write <laughs> that right. So it's just a really high bar and you have to come in and you really have to like earn your place because think about this, right? Let's say you make a movie for like a million and a half or 2 million. You're directing fees probably like 80 grand or something. That means I'm going to make eight grand on you, you know, in like over two to three years right. before the movie comes out. So it's a lot of work for eight grand, you mm-hmm. know, over, you know, mitigated over three years. And look, maybe after three years, you like, oh my God, you're so hot. So your next movie is a 200 grand uh, directing fee. Okay, so that's 20 grand, which is great. So I've made 28 grand in five years, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm believing in you, you know? So, you know, I know those raw numbers might seem a little arbitrary or cold-blooded, but I'm just thinking about it. Whereas like if I have a client, a client can like sell a spec and like maybe get two assignments a year. And that's a good year, but still, and they're going to get paid. Let's say they get paid, I don't know, hundred grand for the spec, and they get paid a hundred grand each or eighty grand each for the two assignments. So that's one sixty, one sixty, two sixty. So that's twenty six grand in one year from a writer.
0: Mm-hmm. As opposed to five, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's and you're that if you're directing, all your energy is focused on that. And then people are like, "Well, I'm going to direct and also do some OWAs." It doesn't really work that often. Like last time I checked, Chris Nolan wasn't taking OWAs in the run of like his stuff, you know? Right. Cohen brothers do it once in a while to make like big money that's after they were established right you
0: know? right um sp says what is more lucrative right now tv or features
1: uh tv is hard to break into but very very hard to break into harder to break into than features but It's once you get rolling, once you've had like a couple of, once you've been staffed on a couple of shows, it's relatively steady work. Not always, but it's steady. With features, you have to do a home run every time. But if I send your script out, they don't care if you've been staffed before. They don't care if you sold a script before. They don't care if you live in LA. If it's a good script, it's a good script, and they're going to buy it. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So, but then the next time, you got to hit that same high bar every time. So features are easy to break into, hard to sustain a career in. TV is hard to break into, easier to sustain a career in.
0: Um, Art is back with another question. It's tagging on that question about directing. How about a writer who wants to act in their script? Is that acceptable to you? Oh
1: my God. Are they directing as well, or are they just writing and acting?
0: <laughs> uh, it just says a writer wanting to act in it. So um, let's just assume no no directing as well.
1: Are you an actor or are you a writer? Right? They're like, well, I'm like Matt Damon. I'm like, well, Matt Damon didn't write another fucking script i mean i think he wrote one thing but like do you know what i'm saying like he's an actor so Mm -hmm. that's like my question look i do have one client who's in that bucket essentially but she's focused primarily on writing and the acting is like less of a thing she already has a career honestly as an actress so um uh yeah the bar would be super fucking high especially because i suspect you are primarily more focused on being an actor than being a writer
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen it happen in in comedy, like some you know comedians write scripts that, that you know if if but they oftentimes have to establish themselves as a writer on a specific type You're of. You thinking
1: typically like Amy Schumer or something?
0: Well, I mean, uh, Tina Fey or you know any number of the. She uh, uh, was a writer who. No, absolutely. An actor, right. right?
1: You know what I'm saying? And now, honestly, like she's not acting anymore; she's focusing on writing. So Tina and Tina also did like assignment work, right? Like Mean Girls was an assignment, mm-hmm. you know? I think they put her in there. Like it wasn't like she's like, I want to write Mean Girls and I really want this role. And then right. they were like, why don't you would you like to be in this role? You know? And she was in the lead, you know. So, you know, yeah. Um But they're primarily performers, right? Like Tina is the exception, right. but like Amy Schumer doesn't write. I mean, I think she does pass on a lot of the stuff that she is in, but she doesn't write most of her movies. They're Mm -hmm. written by someone
0: else. No, that's true. Um, Let's see. Uh, Art has another question. How would you feel about an Indian-American immigrant writer writing multicultural and multilingual projects, primarily English? Is that your appetite, and how is the appetite in the industry? I don't know.
1: I mean, that's a a weird question, because you're basically saying, here's exactly who I am. What's my appetite? My appetite is if you have a good script that sounds interesting. I mean, that's like asking me, like, hey, there's this person. They want to write horror movies. What's the appetite like? I'm like, well, if they're good, the appetite is good. If they're bad, the appetite is not very good. Right. So it really depends on the level of your script,
0: you know? Right. Um, The quality
1: of your script determines everything.
0: Right. I mean, I think multilingual projects,
1: is is that sort of... I mean, look, it depends how multilingual they're. Right. I mean, I don't. Again, it just depends on the script. Yeah. It's just like Crazy Rich Asians is a multilingual script. Mm-hmm. You know, if that was based on a hit, a huge hit bestseller book. Sure. you know.
3: Right. You know, my
1: K-pop project is multilingual. There's Korean and English in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I, I that's to me is not like a, a deal breaker in any shape or form. You right. Know? Um, so yeah, it, it, to me, it's just about it is it good? Is it not good? That's mm-hmm. really what it brings. To, right you know i mean that that's the thing it's like that's why if you write a query email and you're like here's all my background here's what i want to do da, 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 here's the log line what i'm really focusing on is the log line then if i like the log line, i actually go back up and look at the other stuff mm-hmm. but like your cool uh, your cool background doesn't doesn't make up for a, a generic boring log line
0: right um let's see here uh Damon Clark wants you to know he's friends with me. Uh, (laughs) He is one of our mods. And I think you know Damon from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He's also a DJ, sort of like uh, Ian. Um,
1: A lot of of writers who are also DJs. Right, it's weird. But
0: yeah, that's cool. Um, Broderbro says, how much do you expect potential clients to know about the business side? Once you represent them, what responsibility do your writers have beyond writing and being good in meetings?
1: I mean, I'm going to educate them and myself and the rest of their team. If they have the rest of our team in terms of lawyers and agents will educate them on things. Um, I don't really expect them to know, but I do expect them when, when we teach them things to learn and listen. Mm-hmm. So my job to like, Hey, so let me tell you what you should look for in a deal. Hey, let me tell you how you should comport yourself. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you that that's my job to do that. Um, so, but yeah, I don't expect them. I mean, look, I might be like, Hey, you should read this book. Like I really like recommending, um, Running for Fun and Profit by Lennon and Garant. It's a hmm. fun book everyone on this chat should read. It's a phenomenal book. It's great. Um, there's another book I like called The Writer Got Screwed But Didn't Have To. That's a really good look at legal. Um, although, honestly, if you have a lawyer, that'll protect you from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I do it as my job to read deadline the Hollywood Reporter variety so you don't have to. So really, you can focus on writing.
0: Right. And we'll put links to those books you're talking about below. So if people want to check out those books, um, uh, just a few more questions. So if anyone has any last questions, feel free to leave them in the chat and we'll get to them. Um, Film magicians. Uh, let's see. Outside of contest wins or the log line, what else can we mention in a query letter working as a reader for a big studio? Would that be OK?
1: It's fine, but it's not going like, to change the score. It's really with the log line.
0: OK. Ross G asked, what is your favorite contained thriller of all time? Die Hard, baby. Actually, the comment right before that said, or a couple before that, by Peter Foytwinger Hopefully, I got your name right, Peter. I'm sure I didn't, but I apologize. Says, I think we know John's favorite movie is Die Hard. And I think we've asked you before is Die Hard a Christmas movie?
1: We have, we had I think in, in your um, Christmas special we had a whole back and forth yeah someone it and yeah it's it's been a constant I mean I don't personally I don't have a super strong feeling on it but like if you're gonna say it's not you better have a good reasoning.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Jess Wainston asks: I write mostly sci-fi, but I tend to combine it with other genres such as thriller, action, or horror. Should I then position myself as a sci-fi writer? Yes. Um, SP asks do you think writers should keep budget in mind while making their scripts or no
1: I mean only to the sense of like there's two kinds of movies really expensive ones and not really expensive ones so like when we were doing Infinite we knew it was expensive so we just went all out we're like you know what once you get a certain threshold you might as well dump everything in it so we just like you know explosions and freeway jumps and like Something Lamborghinis and like aircraft carriers and like jet packs, like we put everything in there. You know, we're like, you know what? They can trim it. They know it's expensive. They can trim it out down the road. You know, um, but if you're writing a really contained thriller, then in that case, I think you know you want to be smart about it. You know, so like like I said, I didn't think there's honestly two kinds of movies. If I'm really being honest, there's 80 million and above, and 10 million and under and there's not a lot of movies unfortunately that get made in that middle ground often you know so and if you're going for that 80 million or above thing just know that there is basically Sony Warner Brothers Universal Lionsgate Paramount that's kind of Disney doesn't buy scripts anymore and unfortunately Fox doesn't really exist 20th Century it does exist but they're primarily focused on um, Hulu and like and big really Scott movies and things like that so I guess it's possible 20 oh and there's Legendary hmm. um, but those are the major buyers so there's like we with Infinite we knew that like we had like five swings at that essentially five six swings at that and that was it you know whereas with something like 1031 this thing that Ian co-wrote with Peter Gamble that I was a producer on um that we knew that was that was a sub 10 million dollar horror movie we knew there was like 30 40 places that would go for it because there's the major studios then there's the smaller divisions then there's finance years and then there's like all these other like little ways to get it done so you know that would be the thing to think about is like are you an 80 million dollar movie and above or are you 10 million dollar and under movie Mm -hmm. um so you know that medium range 10 to 20 it's a hard place to live and 20 to 30 and above that is a that gets very weird at that Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. make a ton of those that often. You know, unless they're based on best-selling books or things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. <coughs> um Art's back with another question. Are uh, Any suggestions for someone working with a writing partner on a couple of already optioned screenplays and looking for individual representation now? You'll uh, you'll read their co-written work or only solo?
1: Well. I guess the question really is, are they planning to write together going forward, or are they planning to write separately? Here's the thing, I only want to sell either a writing team or a separate writer, that's all I want to do. And if, if that is you, you don't want to move between these two things, you want to stick in one brand and be like, I'm a solo writer, or I'm a writing team. If you're a writing team, I don't know why, do you want to get separate representation? Do you want to get the same person to represent you? But mm-hmm. it sounds like, but mm-hmm. it sounds like to me, and maybe I'm incorrect, is that you've written a couple of things together, but you now want to go your separate ways. In that case, the stuff you've written together is not a sample I can read of you and your writing skills. I want to read who you are, not who you were with a partner who you don't work with anymore, who I'm not potentially representing. Because that doesn't... Maybe the partner was a good writer and you're a mediocre writer. And they were holding up or vice versa. I don't know. So, you know, that was it really. If you were a writing partner and you want to write together, then focus on doing that. If you want to write separately, then focus on doing that and have a relevant sample for that. But if you're writing together, you guys should have the same representation it does happen where people have different representation but i think it's a little weird personally and mm-hmm. it can get make things complicated
0: yeah no, that's good advice um eric manzert uh says what can you suggest for improving log lines
1: reading lots of them and seeing what works
0: um and actually interesting that eric mentions that in a couple weeks we actually have on the king of log lines christopher lockhart who's a story editor at wme so he's going to be coming on i don't think it's next week but the week after that so keep your eye out for that so follow subscribe because you know we'll we'll be talking about uh log lines and stuff like that he's really good at it um let's see film magician asks if you have a plan to shoot a script in order to receive tax credits in canada is that something worth mentioning or is that above a writer's pay grade uh and they shouldn't worry about that stuff
1: i mean are you directing it do you already have a person on board like why is that a thing it doesn't make any sense you know i i if if you're like this script could be shot in canada well cool could also be shot in bulgaria right (laughs) like um, yeah i mean
0: uh, yeah, I guess, like you said, how far along that process are you? And, you know, I mean.
1: If you're like, hey, I'm already shooting this thing. I'm like, cool. You right. know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Right. It's a question that needs a little more detail.
0: Um, SP says, have you ever passed on, uh, have you ever passed up on someone's work once, but accepted their other work at a later date?
1: Yes. There have been times when somebody said, here's what I would say. If you're sending me a query email and I don't respond to it, please Mm -hmm. take at least a month or so to send me your next query email, at least a month. There have also been times when I've read someone's work, I passed on it, but I've said, please send me more of your work in the future. I think you're a talented writer. And then I read their next thing. Or what they'll do is they'll email me say, here's a log line for my new thing. And I say, "Ah, that's not for me. Or I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I'd like to read that. And I send another release form. So that has happened, yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Ursula Lumpkin says, do you, uh, wait do you work with indie filmmakers?
1: I do, you know, they tend to be, uh, you know, more in the, the genre world, but like the indie world is a very, very hard place right now, especially right now with the pandemic. Um, and honestly, if you're an indie filmmaker, you're probably looking to make a movie for Netflix, at, you know, or the streamers at this point, or maybe move into studio work. I don't work with people who are like i only want to work for indies for the rest of my life i never want to work with a studio or netflix or amazon or something like that that's just a weird place to be you know mm-hmm. jim jarmusch is not jim um no making like netflix movies you know like and so i think it's about working with a filmmaker i would i indie filmmaker is a weird phraseology as if you're going to work in that vein for the rest of your life You know, some people do, but like it's a pretty hard place to make a living. And most of your favorite indie filmmakers have made movies for studios at Mm -hmm. this point. Not all. Jarmusch is an exception, I believe, but uh, most have at this point. Um, And so I work with filmmakers who have made independent movies, yes, but a lot of them are looking to move to bigger budgets and work with, you know, studios and distribution in place and things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Todd Klinger says So, what are your favorite. Your five favorite movies of all time.
1: Okay. Die Hard, Bottle Rocket, Blade Runner, Michael Clayton. Um, hmm, Those are the easy four, I guess. I don't know. The the, the last one you could kind of throw in a bunch of things. Boogie Nights is one that comes to mind. Um, Yeah, I know lots of, lots of good ones out there.
0: Hmm. Um. Let's see here. Uh, Gustavo Garzon says, why do you think if extraordinary writers are signed that only 5% of movies are good or great, what's your take on it?
1: Um, Imagine you're making a meal and then someone comes in halfway through and starts adding other stuff to it and taking other stuff out. And then someone else comes in and then someone else comes in. And that goes on for like, I don't know, like nine months or something. And then is the food good anymore? Sometimes. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless they are an auteur that is given complete control, which there are very, very, Uh, very
1: few. The auteur with complete control thing always works. I encourage you to watch uh, some of the movies in Netflix where (laughs) directors who could not get the movies made otherwise went and made their dream project Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Um, I'm not going to name any movies, but there's some really great filmmakers who made movies for Netflix that I don't personally think are their best work. Because they had, they had no notes and they got no—they got the thing made that no one else would make. Um, like maybe a movie that um, the main character was mute, for example, you know? Um, so, you know, it's like, it just depends. I mean, there's just so many factors. Um, I mean, Christine Vachon said something to the effect of, um, I'm paraphrasing badly, it's a miracle when a movie gets made. When a good movie gets made, it's something beyond a miracle. Mm-hmm. I think she actually had a better wording for it. But the point is, it's so hard to get a movie made. Then when you add, add in, OK, so you've got a script. It's a good script, right? Uh, and then you bring on a director. And does the director agree with all the things to script, or they start changing things? And then the studio executives also want to change certain things. And then the studio head gets involved, and they want to change things. And the head of marketing might want to change a few things. And then an actor comes on board, and they have some notes about things. you know. And then you start shooting, and you lost one of your locations, so you had to move to another location. And oh my god, you lost $5 million from the budget a week before because the budget the production had said the budget was too high and blah 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 and someone got sick and you had to reshoot around them and blah 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 blah
2: so
0: right now my point being only that very very few films are actually made whether good or not with a single vision it's you know everyone's got their hands in the pot and so what comes out is anybody's yes at the end yes
1: that's that's, that's what i was trying to write yeah
0: Um, Ken Floyd says, if I did well in a big contest, but I'm not getting responses to queries, is that likely a logline problem or is this just a numbers game with queries?
1: Yes. 90% of the problems with your queries, is your logline being boring.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Our friend Damon Clark says, long time listener or first time caller. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, You're a very hands-on type manager. How much time do you spend a week working Uh, a one-on-one with your writers and how in-depth does it go?
1: Um, I have a policy, which is I'm as engaged as the client is. So like a client will send me like, here's my new outline. Here's my new idea. Then within a week or so we schedule a, a call or a zoom depending on what the situation is and we talk for probably close to an hour about what the, the script, the pages, the treatment, the new ideas or whatever. And then I say, okay, well, do it, revise this treatment or send me a new ideas or go write the next 30 pages or write the new draft. And then they go off and they take, you know, week, two weeks, three weeks to do it. They send it to me again, and then we engage on. So like, it's rare that I'll talk to the same client week after week, after week, it's more rare as I talk to a client this week, and then I will not talk to them for another three weeks because they will send it. And then we'll set the next thing. I do the thing I do. that's a little quicker than most people. There's a lot of managers or people in general will be like, Hey, so I read your script uh or so you email your script to them and they say great i'm going to read it this weekend so they read it that weekend they say hey i read the script it's really good let's set a time to talk and then so there's like a two-week delay there's a week for them to read it and then a week for them to set the next meeting the moment i get material i set the meeting and then i read it like a night or two before so it's very fresh in my brain so that's like slightly the difference um to be fair i don't have any kids right now um and when i start having kids things may like I, i'm gonna have more demands on my time so um that'll you know we will see at that point what my bandwidth and level of turnaround time is. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so Damon wanted to clarify that his previous comment about knowing me was actually a question. Will knowing Kevin hold him back, Damon Clark?
1: I mean, depends if you're friends with Kevin. If you're friends with Kevin, your judgment is clearly somewhat suspect. So you know. Oh, I mean, we're not friends.
0: Know. Me and Damon. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: uh, Kevin is the coolest. If you know Kevin, uh, then you should mention it. And then I'll email Kevin and be like, do you actually know this person? And they go, like, no, they suck. Yeah, and like that, that's
0: that. exactly what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so. Um, Let's see here. What other questions do we have? Uh, here we go. Um, so Art asks another question. What are a few must-read screenplays in your opinion from the last five years? It's a good question I don't
1: have an answer to. Um, I, you know, it's like, for me, what I, I'm a, I'm a screenplay obsessive. I have like 10 gigs or more of screenplays and I love them. I love the form. I love reading multiple drafts of things. I just, I'm a collector, I guess, in that sense, thankfully it's digital. So my place isn't full of like paper copies of anything. Um, so I don't know, it, you know, for me, I'm, I'm reading screenplays. I don't really honestly read a lot of screenplays that are not my clients at this point. I just don't have the time. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't really know the easy answer. The screenplay I always, the screenplay that had the biggest impact on me would be Seven by Andrew Kevin Walker um, and Michael Clayton. Those are two of the screenplays that as a general examples of the form really moved me when I was looking to be a writer. Um, so those are two that I go to. Nightcrawler is really great. Obviously the Gilroy brothers are very talented, um, but I like that kind of Bill Goldman style of like writing through things. Uh, my friend Will Bell, who wrote Gangster Squad, Aquaman. Um, if you have a chance to read either his script for Lion Hunters or Gangster Squad, which are out there, because Gangster Squad was on the blacklist, so is Lion Hunters. I think he's an amazing. Re- I mean, I'm biased. He was, you know, he is one of my best friends. He was the best man at my wedding. He's not a client, just a friend. Um, and I think his style is phenomenal, very novelistic. Um, yeah, I mean, read anything Scott Frank writes, you know. I mean, read anything. If you like a movie, go read the screenplay for it. Mm-hmm. No, um i remember when i read diablo cody script for juno it, like knocked me on my ass i was like wow like it was just crazy that was just like something where it just hit you really really hard um but honestly nowadays more i other than my own client's work i'm watching things um you know because that's what me and my wife do we're not i'm not reading the the, the scripts for things although i read the first 30 of promising young woman um back when i was on the blacklist and i was like it was so good i was like okay i gotta put this down because i just want to see the movie because sometimes if you read the screenplay to someone and you see the movie, like, well, I, like Ocean's Eleven, I'd read the screenplay because I've been an intern at Village Roadshow. So when I saw the movie for the first time, I was like, oh, this is good. But I already I already knew all the twists and turns. Obviously, Ocean's is an amazing movie, and I've seen it a million times since. Um, but, you know, the first time, wasn't it wasn't as effective as it would have been if I had not read the script. So for things I'm very excited about, I try not to, like, at least read the whole script. So promise you know, when I only read the first 20, 30, because I want to see the movie and be, have it be really fresh in my mind.
0: hmm um, Cinecool Video asks, uh, I've been told fewer studios are looking for dark and aggressive material nowadays compared to a lot of the con- controversial horror films from the early 2000s. Uh, do you feel this is true to an extent? Yes.
1: Okay, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's the end. I mean, they're just not, they're what they're looking for are. Looking for a version of the conjuring. They're looking for a Blumhouse movie. Hmm. They are looking for something they can make cheaply. There's a high concept. The Purge is a perfect example. Get out is a perfect example. Hmm. Now look, get out is quite edgy and different and like but you, know, you I I don't I don't know exactly the movies he's referring to personally. Um, but like what they're looking for is high concept, low cost.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What they're looking for in horror movies.
0: Um, and the last one, I think you partially answered uh, with your f- two former book recommendations, but if you have any others, uh, Art asks, are any books you will recommend to read?
1: I did a thread on books, so maybe check that one out. Um, if you go to my Twitter compilation, again, I'm, I'm, there's a whole thread like books I recommend for specific things. The ones that come to mind off the top of my head, uh, Running for Fun and Profit by Lennon Grant. The writer got screwed but didn't have to William Goldman's adventures in the screen trade. Um, I think those are the first, you know, I read a, I probably read more film books than anything. I just really enjoy reading about it. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that come to mind.
0: Mm-hmm. And we'll have links if you uh, are interested in the description below. Um, Thank you for your time, John, as always. It's been we went a little bit over, but uh so many great questions and so many people said thank you uh for such great insight and uh for helping with their uh
1: building their writing career. So it's great. Cool. Thank you, for having me, Kevin. You know, I always love chatting with you and Kevin. I remember it was the first month of the pandemic, and I was like, I don't know what had me on mind, but I called Kevin I was like, we should do a Twitch channel. We have a Twitch channel. And we'll stream out to the people. And we'll have live questions, and 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 it was a little early. And you're like, okay, well, that's cool, but how does that actually work? I was like, I don't know, Kevin, you're the genius. <laughs> I don't know about you're that. Not, but yeah. I want to talk to people. I say, well, here's what the screenwriting thing, but jig is. You yeah. Know? No, right, it's fun. That we, it's, we, you know, we've going to. It's the future, you know.
0: Well, you are welcome anytime. We can make do this as often with you as you are willing to do. I know uh, you're very very busy, but I mean, um, this has I've been for you, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. Um, So, as always, thank you. Um, Next week, we've got an episode on diversity in Hollywood with Liz Alper, Hilliard guest, and Jorge Rivera at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, And in the coming weeks, we've got a bunch of great guests in line up to discuss topics, including staffing season advice, uh, writing animated features and television. Um, The one, two weeks from now, which is about log lines and taking your idea and building a story out of it. Uh, with uh, Christopher Lockhart from WME, uh, the story editor over there. Um, we've got one breaking in as an assistant or support staffer with three really great assistant support staffers, um, as well as we got Carol Kirshner from the CBS uh, uh, fellowship coming on in uh, early April to talk about fellowships. I think that's going to be a Thursday one, so definitely subscribe or uh, to us on. Jim, that's Twitter. an amazing lineup, man. That is like, damn,
1: dude. Like, I, that is like covering every aspect. Of, I mean. I think, you know, thank you for having me on, but man, you like what you do for everybody, I hope everybody appreciates what you what you do it is just amazing and incredible and, you know, man, I wish I wish this was around when I was coming up uh because it is just uh we make things so much easier and more helpful for people. So thank you so much, man. You do so much for the community and for for just, you know, everybody.
0: No, I thank you so much for, for saying that and, and, you know, for being part of it. I mean, you have been on, you're our uh, Steve Martin or Alec Baldwin, take your pick. You know, yeah, you've been I on want more my, than anybody.
1: Oh, my jacket, my little, my little, my little. Uh, oh, yeah. You uh, got the, the, the little jacket or whatever. They're like, oh, the tent, the
0: tent club. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to figure that out. What, 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 uh, what little uh, token or piece of uh, clothing that we can give you or a little plaque or something that we can get for here. Around and
1: I'll be like, what's up? How's it going? Oh, a 10
0: club. Yeah, we'll have to get like a jersey or something like that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so, yeah, and we're going to have, we're going to start to have a number of showrunners on um, who I can't name just yet. But, you know, so again, you can, at, you know, see what it's like to be, you know, talk to a showrunner and what their show, what they'll ask you and that kind of thing. So, because these are all important things that hopefully you'll find helpful. And this new QA, you're right, you brought it up. You were the sort of, catalyst to get this whole ball rolling
1: i want a lot of twitch i like watching fortnite videos and and streams because i even though you know i'm in my 40s i'm I'm emotionally a 14 year old clearly it helps work in this business because you know people in this business are emotionally and intellectually 14 years old so you know even though they might be in their 60s right so really it's like my secret thing is that like you know i really connect to that
0: well, we don't have a Twitch channel yet, but we might start streaming on live streaming on both because there's a way you can actually live stream to both platforms at the same time. Uh, I'm still new to live streaming, so it might take me a little bit to figure out how to do that both. But pretty soon, I think we're going to start live streaming on both. But for now, we have we already had a YouTube channel, so it's sort of an easy transition. But um, yeah, no, and I know you've mentioned Among Us before. Yeah, you know, we have that, on Twitch, that kind of thing.
1: I play with a lot of my buddies on Twitter, yeah, which is fun. And I've actually talked about wanting to like uh, do, um, to do at some point, maybe like an Among Us thing with my, with like people I don't necessarily know or hmm. something. So maybe we'll arrange it somewhere, but uh but yeah, I don't know. So it'll be fun.
0: Yeah. um So thank you uh, again, John, as always, it's a pleasure. And thank you guys all for listening and watching. However you Follow this uh, this chat and be sure to check us out at dot Thanks, John.
1: Thanks, buddy.